All the episodes you will hear on this podcast are the audio versions of the video content on the Great Light Studios YouTube channel. If you would like to watch the video version of this episode, you can find a link in the show notes. For those of you who may not know, I do rely on monthly financial supporters to continue doing everything I do through this platform. If you are blessed by the resources produced through Great Light Studios and want to help support me in continuing to do all this, then you can find information about how to in the show notes of this episode. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast? Positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people. With all that said, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everybody, to another live video. I have um, Anthony and Edgar, former members of the World Mission Society Church of God, and we're gonna we're gonna mainly try to focus today on covering the topic of the new name in Revelation, and kind of unpacking some of what we think that means and. And in that, obviously, critiquing and responding to the interpretations that the WMSCOG kind of gets from it. So um, before we do that, I just want to check that we're we're on. I have us I have a streaming live right now in three different places. And so I want to make sure we're at least live on YouTube. Um, and then also, if you guys um, maybe Anthony, Edgar, uh, just so people, so I know that people are hearing you. Could you, well, here, here's something. Could you go both for people that might be new here? Could you tell us like how long, maybe take, take turns shortly telling how long were you in the church? Cause I think that might be helpful for people again, who are new to just understand how many years of experience, you know, both of you are coming into this with. After you, Edgar. Um, yeah, I got about 11 years in that church, too long. Um, that's how long I was in there for. <laughs> Go ahead, Anthony. 11 years. Yeah, uh, 10 and a half years, um, kind of moved around the East Coast. Uh, was a, a former deacon, uh, had left the church as a deacon. So, so we got... Quick as possible. <laughs> so we got close to 20 years of... WMSCOG experience in the house tonight, today, this afternoon, whatever time you're coming from. So uh, just just as a little intro, again, if you're new, I don't I don't do this often because I kind of just assume the same people are watching these videos. But I'm realizing as I'm going back behind the scenes of the videos and seeing the analytics that there are a lot of new people who come across this. And so uh, just as a little intro about um, all of this. So one of the big things I do on Great Light Studios and the newer channel answering the WMSCOG is cover the World Mission Society Church of God and in attempt to in an attempt to lovingly and respectfully critique and engage with some of the things they talk about. This is a group that claims that they are the one true ch church of God, that they alone have the way of salvation. Every other church is basically Satan. And, you know, get in line, follow their doctrines, join their church or, or, you know, you're damned sort of idea. And so 
the goal is to just respond to that. It's, it's, I think everybody in this, um, on this video's opinion that this group ultimately is harmful and damaging to, to, um, the majority, I'd say of the people who join it. That's not to say that there's not any good things in it or benefits that might come from it in certain ways. Uh, but overall, I think this group would, qualify as a high demand, high control cult group that is is largely founded in manipulation and coercion and and you know causes significant issues, I would say uh, the evidence would show to families and separating you know husbands and wives, uh, parents and children, uh, friends. And so, so our, our goal here is just to engage with some of the things they say, because they make very dogmatic assertions about what is true and about how you should think about the Bible, ultimately claiming that, <coughs> uh, a man named An Song Hong, I, I know Anthony, you've told me I say that incorrectly, but um, <laughs> I don't, that's just how I say it. So we'll, we'll just go with that. Uh, but so they say On on Song Hong is second coming Christ. Uh, this this man who passed away a number of years ago, they think he was Christ come second time who restored the truth, restored the Passover, the way of salvation. And they believe that uh, a woman who is still alive in South Korea named Zong Gil Ja is God the mother, a, a basically a second deity. And it's only basically only through faith in them and then sort of adhering to their their rules about things like sabbath and passover that that you can be saved and so again we think this group ultimately harms people we think it points people away from a a accurate uh contextually uh uh you know rational and and consistent way of looking at the bible and so we just want to um, help people, help people to see that uh, those who have maybe been wrapped up in this group, that there are other ways of looking at the Bible. Um, I also just wanted to to say really quick again, the answering the WMSCOG is the newer channel where I'm trying to put out more, more of the WMSCOG content is going to continue to be mostly put out over there with the exception of a few videos that'll be here on Great Light Studios. Um, so if, if you'd want to, if you are interested in this kind of con content around this specific group, uh, make sure to go and subscribe to Answering the WMSCOG. And then also I've had some people reaching out to me recently needing books, um, former members even, and have asked me for specifically the green book. And so We've asked we've asked about this before, but if people watching this, if you have books, if you're a, a member who's come out of the church and you have a bunch of books and maybe you're thinking, I'm just going to toss these in the garbage, would you reach out to me and, and possibly we could find a way to get those from you? Because there are there are people who, who want these and people who are trying to um, respond to this group and and kind of counteract the doctrine that it's valuable for us to kind of have access to a lot of these books. So um, then last thing is just uh, a reminder for those of you who don't know that everything I do on these channels is dependent on people who support on a monthly basis financially. And so I want to thank everybody who's already doing that. Um, there's a lot of people who have jumped on in the past couple months and that's a huge help, helps me to be able to have the time to do all this. Um, so, 
with all that said, um, we will we will try to take some questions uh, in the midst of this. And um, but but again, the main thing we want to talk about today is this topic of the new name. So um, Anthony or Edgar, either one of you that want to jump in and maybe kind of just set the stage for this topic, the new name. Why? Why is like what's the significance of this in in the WMSCOG, why is this something that is is important for us to even talk about today? Well, I'll, I'll start with uh, the one part is they teach that there are three ages of salvation. There's age of the Father, Jehovah, the age of the Son, Jesus, and they say that there is a third and final age that we're living in right now, which is the age of the Holy Spirit. And during each of these ages, you could only receive salvation under the name that is of the savior of that age so actually it's called the savior's name of each age <laughs> that they teach you one of the first studies you do and in that study you know they go through and they show two verses in revelation where one it says upon a white stone there's going to be a new name given and then in revelation chapter three it mentions that jesus will write on them uh, his new name so when they see this and they explain it, they say, look, in this age, in the time of revelation, there will be a new name. And that new name that is given to people is the name that you receive salvation. So just as you receive salvation under the name Jesus, in this age now, the name Jesus will not give you salvation. You cannot pray to that name. You, you know, nothing is of a benefit to the name Jesus in this last age. Uh, rather, you have to find what is the new name, which they assert is Ansung Hong. So through the name Ansung Hong, they say is the only way of salvation, that Ansung Hong is a new name. It cannot be the name Jesus, otherwise it would not be new. So that's their uh, teaching in a, in a quick little blurb about it. Okay. So, so really, this comes down to a couple of verses in Revelation Again, Revelation two seventeen, uh, Revelation three twelve, and then there's another one in uh, Revelation nineteen twelve, where there's another another reference to to Jesus's new name. And so, ultimately, their conclusion about this is that this new name has actually been discovered. We know what it is. We know who it is, and it's Christ on Song Hong. And only by embracing and putting faith in that new name can you be saved. Okay, so. That's that's what we're that's what we're going to now begin to engage with, and we're going to look look at some of these passages, look at them in context, and see if we can find any cracks or issues with the way the the World Mission Society Church of God handles them. Um, so um, I'll I'll just I think all of us have several points we want to make with this, and probably are. Um, one thing we wanted to talk about too is that you know we might have even different ways that each of us here approach some of these passages and um and so i think it's it's this is something we we're talking about a little bit before we started there i think there's an idea um well, well maybe could you guys kind of help me exp um help explain like with a wmscog members hat on 
when I when I say what I just said that that each of us might approach this, we might share different views about certain things here. We might express different opinions about maybe the best way to see certain things. As as somebody who might be watching this as a WMSCOG member, what's kind of going to be their their thought process when they hear something like that? They're going to be thinking because we can't we don't all say the same thing like they do like wrote robotic then basically we're wrong then we have no idea what we're talking about we can't agree on you know the common issue but they don't understand that in reality the early church didn't always agree eye to eye on every single little thing that's why there's primary issues and secondary issues. The primary issue the church always agreed on was what was the gospel and who is Christ? One, two things that the World Mission Society Church of God have no idea about. And so <laughs> right. these these other things, these are things that it's okay for people to have different understanding as long as the primary, we keep the primary, the primary, we're still continuing to search the scriptures to understand Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why even throughout church history, there's been consuls throughout church history where they get together, they share different opinions and thoughts. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really might at least in part be rooted in sort of this idea that asking questions or even even the idea of, of having doubts about certain doctrines or about certain ideas that might come from the Bible, doubting those, struggling with, you know, how could this be true? And is this actually the right way to understand this? I, what I want to just say, and what I what, what I hope, you know, moving forward with, with the videos on this channel, uh, what I want to help people understand, what I think is true, is that it's okay to ask questions about things. Um, you know, a, as an example, and, and obviously this is kind of a side, a side rail away from the new name topic, but I think, it, you know, even for me, the past few years, there's been some, mm -hmm. some theological doctrinal sort of assumptions that I've had my whole life that, that in the in past five years or so, I've began to, you know, I would have doubts about, and I would approach those with, with questions and, um, not being fully convinced that what I had been told, what I had been taught, what what you know, the majority I guess of people had kind of come to agree upon about certain things, I saw issues with those things, and I think there's a for for whatever reason within you know, I think a lot of religious circles uh, uh, in Christianity, whether it's in you know more cult like structures or evangelicalism, there's a there's sort of this underlying, whether it's taught explicitly or implicitly, this idea that it's not really okay to ask questions. That once the doctrines have been settled, you don't don't you know you just swallow it and don't ask questions. And and I think that sort of mentality can be found not only in in cult groups but in you know maybe a little bit more healthy religious structures. And so I think it's okay to ask questions and. I'm somebody who has begun to to become more comfortable with certain things that I've always believed. One, one thing that I've talked a little bit about on the channel is the doctrine of hell. You know, what is hell? Is hell a literal place of eternal torment and literal fire where people will go on forever and ever and ever uh, suffering? Is that really what the Bible teaches? Is that really what Jesus taught? And so that's just an example of something that I 
had, you know, emotional apprehensions toward, but I began to actually, you know, see what I thought, what I think are, are both historical and biblical issues with that sort of way of, of understanding what the Bible is actually saying as well. And so, again, that's kind of a side road, but I, I just, all that to say, I think it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to have varying opinions about how we interpret certain things. Um, and I think that God made us, you know, with brains, with brains that, that you know, have analytical and rational abilities. And so it's, it, it's, it's doing what we are made to do to ask questions. And when we come against things that don't seem logical, don't seem to make sense to, to unpack that and to search and, you know, search it out and see if it really is what, you know, what we've maybe always thought it was or what people have always said it was. Um, so, that's kind of a, a long-winded way of saying there may might be varying opinions about some of this um, today, and I, I think that's okay. So, so who Anthony Edgar? Who wants to who wants to dive in first? I just want to I'll uh, give it to one of you guys to kind of start out and maybe share some of the things that you see about Revelation two seventeen or or three twelve uh, that that might show some inconsistencies with how the WMS interprets it. Well, I would like to kind of start a little bit with um, a comparison with this one to uh, their other teachings. Um, they have a teaching about the seven churches. Uh, and basically, these seven churches here are supposed to be uh, figurative and they represent different ages. So it's not that, you know, this is a letter literally written to these seven churches, but it's something that you can find prophecy within because everything's a prophecy. So uh, in this one, like the first church um, is from 30 AD to 106 AD, the apostolic age. And then after that, um, it's from 106 to 313. And each church is a time group. So for the church that is supposed to be the Church of Smyrna, uh, which is from 106 to 313 under this uh, time of persecution, uh, that's the church that's supposed to receive this white stone with a new name. But, you know, the name An Sang Hong was never given between the age of 106 to 313. And, you know, you could say the same thing uh, when you get down into uh, Revelation chapter three. So when you're looking at one of their prophecies about what these time frames are, it doesn't add up. And when that is brought up to them, because uh, I've seen this question brought up to them. So they say part of it is prophecy of the seven churches and the different age groups. Some of it is other prophecies thrown inside of it. And some of it is actually letters written to the actual churches. So within, you know, these two chapters, it's trying to, you know, do several different things simultaneously. So the only ones though, that know what means what is them, you know? So they, they, they claim that they have the root of David who's able to interpret everything, but, within the same prophecy, 
it's only like bits and pieces are actually applicable to the prophecy that they're talking about. They want to choose just little aspects of it, but neglect the others. So unless, you know, in 106 to 313 during that time frame, you know, the new name was given on a white stone, then their prophecy of the seven churches compared to the new name doesn't add up. Because you're, you're basically saying, if I'm understanding you right, that according to their, the way they handle the different churches and the, the, the time frame of when these, you know, the prophetical part of it are supposed to have been fulfilled, you're saying that the new name wasn't revealed Yes. To this church at the time, am I understanding you right? Yeah, so the second church is Church of Smyrna. Uh, it's supposed to be the church during uh, age of persecution. Um, and when it mentions in uh, verse 10 about the 10 days, you'll suffer persecution for 10 days. They relate that to the uh, edict of Diocletian, I believe it was, uh, where from 303 to 313, uh, there was uh, harsh persecution. Harsh persecution on the church. So this is a very long time ago, but still right here within this prophecy, it says that you're going to receive this white stone. I'm sorry. Uh, I, 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 uh, I put that into the wrong church. The next church uh, is, a, yeah. So that's the one that they say you're supposed to receive this uh, white stone. Um, hold on one sec. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I put that under the wrong church that it goes into the church of Pergamum, which is the age of compromise from 313 to 538. Uh, so here it, that's the church that's supposed to receive it. So during this time of uh, compromise where the church is being compromised, giving up what they say are the valuable aspects of the gospel, that's the church that's supposed to receive the white stone with the new name. So still like the same point stands is that this happened, you know, like 1500 years ago, but they're saying that that's the church that's supposed to receive the white stone. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. So just a, a contradiction, you know, they just contradict themselves in the way that they, they'll, they'll teach one thing over here and then they'll teach, you know, about, about what, the new name is in, in Revelation 2 over here. And when you actually put those things side by side, they don't, yeah. Yeah. They don't you're, add up. Yeah, you're supposed to only think about that one study that you're being shown at the time and not think about the other studies that you've been shown with the same verses. So right. if you look at these things, their own teaching side by side, this particular church is supposed to receive the white stone but that's the church that's, you know, existing from 313 to 538. Yep, that makes sense. Okay. So um, something maybe we could do real quick, because this all comes down to, again, this, this main idea that they want to communicate with these new name verses in Revelation is that the new name is on Song Hong. Mm -hmm. And that all, you know, in this age, you can only be saved in that name. So maybe real quick, and, and this is something I know we've talked about before, but it might just be good to kind of add this into this conversation here would be like um, Ephesians. So Ephesians 1, uh, 21, where um, it's talking about Christ and it says, 
well, actually, start in 20. So in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So for whatever reason, if you think Paul was being inspired by God to write these words, Paul felt that it was important to emphasize that, um, well, let me just pull it back up here, that the name of Jesus, and he, again, he's, he's specifically talking about this name, this name that God would be you know, identified by and glory would be given to him through this name. And he says that it would be uh, this name that would be far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that is named not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So if you, I would say, if you believe what Paul wrote here, then I think the pretty clear conclusion here is that in Paul's mind, it, it would be the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is above all names, not only in the age of Jesus as, you know, the age of the son, uh, uh, as they kind of qualify it, but in every age. Um, and then if you go to Ephesians 3.21, it kind of says a similar thing where it's talking about Christ Jesus. It says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Um, and then, of course, uh, we, we shouldn't, shouldn't leave out um, Ahn Song Hong's own thoughts about this. And this is something, uh, if, you've, if you've watched our videos, I'm sure you are fully familiar with what I'm about to show you. But in chapter 12 of the Green Book, we can see, let's, let's just see, did An Song Hong agree with what I just showed you in Ephesians? Did he agree with what Paul seemed to communicate um, in Ephesians? Uh, what was that? Ephesians 1.21. So <clears throat> you can see it right here. Hopefully you can see it on your... So right here, if you go to chapter 12 of the Green Book, um, you can find An Song Hong said this. Now, there are many false Christs who say, I am the Christ, as Jesus prophesied that Christ, false Christ would appear in the last days. However, salvation is found in no other name than Jesus. Salvation is found in no other name than Jesus, not only at his first coming, but even in the last days. So... <clears throat> You know, I think one of the ways that the WMSCOG would respond to this would be to say, well, even in the Old Testament, it said that there was, you know, Jehovah said, there's no God besides me. And and I'm the first and the last. There's no other God beside me. But then Jesus showed up and he's God, too. Right. So isn't that the same thing going on there? The reason this is different is because. An Song Hong and Paul are both specifically talking about the specific name of God that he would be operating under in the coming ages. If An Song Hong had simply said, in the last days, Jesus will be the only savior, then I could see how they could come in and say, well, An Song Hong is Jesus. They're one and the same. The problem is that An Song didn't just, he didn't just say, Jesus will be the savior in the last days. He said the name that he will operate under in the last days is Jesus. So does that, does that make sense to you guys at all, yeah. what I'm saying there? Because I think that common argument would come from, you know, the response would come from Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah 40-something uh, maybe. Um, but I guess when you hear that, does that response make sense to you as to why I don't think their rebuttal would work? Yeah, they definitely diminish 
uh, what An Sung Hong says when it doesn't fit what they want it to. So they'll reinterpret or say, oh, what he clearly meant was, but it's not what he said. If he, it would make sense if he just said, Jesus in the last age will be the savior. But mm -hmm. he didn't just say that. He added, it will be the name Jesus that gives exactly. So exactly. I, I definitely see that. And can I also add that um, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying? That name doesn't just mean like what somebody is called. Name also means the authority that they're given. So somebody could say, oh, and whose name did you, you know, it doesn't mean that it's actually just what they're called. It means the authority that comes along with their name. Uh, I can uh, go, if, if you could show uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, sorry, Philippians chapter two. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm gonna see uh, verse eight, nine, and uh, 10, so Philippians 2, uh, from 8, it's saying, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So this is speaking about Jesus, and this is speaking about after his death and resurrection. It says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. So now we see Jesus, and what is he receiving? He's receiving a name. But as you go on, it says that the name, oh, that's not a new name. It says he received the name, but now it's saying Jesus. So mm -hmm. it's not that he received a name, meaning uh, a name of like what you'd put on a name tag. He's receiving a different sort of authority through what he had <coughs> accomplished here on earth through his sacrifice on the cross. So it says that uh, that the name Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So here it's saying that he was given a name, but he didn't receive a new name. He was yep. given a name. There is a yep. new name given to him, but it just means a different yeah. authority. So, you know, yep. there are different ways to receive a name. You know, here he, Jesus yeah. received the name Jesus, but not the Jesus, the carpenter, the one who came to this earth to suffer. But now he's been exalted above and received a new name, meaning a new title, a new purpose, a new authority. That's yeah, that's a great point. And I, I don't know if people are I hope people are picking up on the significance of that, because, uh, again, the, the topic being approached here is one of, you know, the WMS looking at Revelation seeing, oh, Jesus says he'll have a new name. It must not be Jesus then. Jesus must not be the name that we are saved through in this age. But what what Anthony's saying is when you look at passages like Philippians, what we're, we're reading here, when we see that mention of new name, we should step back and, and say, is there maybe a way of understanding this that, that wouldn't result in necessarily, you know, Jesus having a different, like a different title, you know, like in the last days, he'll be called Bob or Bill or mm -hmm. Hong Song Hong. And so what, what Anthony's pointing out here is that uh, this is telling us that God gave him a name above every name. So he's giving him something that he didn't have already in a sense, right? Like it's, it's something, this is a new name in a sense being given to Jesus. If God is giving it to him, then that, that implies that this is something he didn't have before this name but what name does he give to jesus he gives him the name jesus 
And so the point of the point, again, I think of what Anthony's trying to get across is that when when the Bible talks about names, it, it has a lot more uh, behind it. There's a lot more behind a name than simply like a, a, the title of a person or or, um, you know, again, like like Bob or Bill or Peter or whatever. Um, names in the Bible are an expression of a person's like their character, their nature, their purpose, their accomplishments, their destiny, um, and names speak and reveal something about who the person is and what they're like. And so like you can see examples of this. Uh, one example would be Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham. And so, you know, the significance of that was the meaning of Abraham, which was father of many nations. And so his name spoke about something that, that his, it spoke about his destiny. It spoke about who Abraham was and what God's plans were for his life. And so in the same way, when it talks about the name of, of God, it's more than just, you know, a, a specific title. Um, I th and I would argue that I think what we'll see when we look deeper into Revelation and this new name concept, that it, it's getting more at that. It's, it's speaking about new new revelations, new insight that people will have about who Jesus is. Those who overcome will come to understand who he is in a new way. They'll, they'll come to know him in a, a deeper, more full uh, way than they did before. Um so, uh, yeah, I think that that's a great, great point, Anthony. And I, I hopefully people are, are, are seeing that the significance that it's nothing else. Philippians eight through 11 should cause you when you see this mention of new name and revelation cause you to pause and, and, and think about whether there's maybe a different way to understand this than, than what might uh, initially, uh, seem, seem like is, is, you know, is necessary as in new name means there has to be a name different than Jesus. I think Philippians shows that that's not, that's not necessarily the case. So, um, Edgar, we've been talking for a while, so I'll see if you have anything you want to jump in with here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that you guys hit, you know, you guys hit it right on the head. I agree with both you guys' point. Um, that's pretty much their whole argument. They only have two verses that where they really say, and it's crazy because these two verses are the ones that bug the members the most. You know, when people try to leave, even when I talk to members, they're always like, but what about the new name? What about the new name? Yeah. And it's these literally these two verses, Revelation chapter 3, 11 through 12 and Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. But, you know, like we were saying in the beginning, you know, we all approach the Bible, you know, the the way that God has revealed to us. Um, I look at it kind of like with a, a partial preterist view. So that's that a lot of the stuff in Revelation and like Matthew chapter 24 have already been fulfilled. So kind of mm -hmm. like piggybacking off of what Anthony said in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3 where it's talking about the seven churches. If you look at Revelation chapter 1, I kind of want to show something. Yeah, Revelation yeah, chapter 1. Uh-huh. And so remember, this is Revelation 1 is right before Revelation 2 and 3 where it's talking about the, the churches. And in Revelation chapter one, if you look at the beginning in verse one, it says the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon 
take place. And then if you keep going down in verse three, it says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So when you read, you know, put yourself in, in the shoes of, of the people living 2000 years ago when they're receiving these letters from the apostle John as they're being spread out and they read something like, you need to read this. These are the words that Jesus revealed to me because the time is near. These things are going to happen soon. Do you think that they're sitting there 2000 years ago and saying to themselves, oh, this means 2000 years from now? This is obviously talking about 1964, 1948. No, this is not what's going on here, right? So just you know, that, just to mention that right off the back, and then in, and obviously when you read Revelation two, Anthony did a good job of explaining Revelation chapter two. So I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I mean it says it in the verse in Revelation chapter two, verse seventeen. When we look at it, it says, "Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches." To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the person who receives it, to the one who receives it. So if these things happened 2000 years ago, then it's very easy to make sense of it. What, what you're seeing here, it's telling you that those who overcome, I will give that person a stone with a new name written on it, like Anthony brought the example of Peter. It, it makes perfect sense. When it doesn't make sense is what, when you do what the World Mission Society Church of God does, and they they separate every every verse to their convenience, every prophecy they want, they, they manipulate it, they cut some things out, then they put it together when it benefits them, and then they take one piece out when it doesn't. We can't study the Bible like that. So Revelation chapter, and you know, even Revelation chapter two, Anthony mentioned, so it's, it's about those who overcome, right? Mm -hmm. And as you see through the seven churches that was going on, Apostle John saying, these things are about to take place. You need to, you need to, you need to pay attention to these words. Why? Because it's also a warning for what the early Christian church was about to go through. That was the time of the most persecution that was going on, right? 2000 years ago, they were martyred. And that's also, if you look at Isaiah chapter 62, it kind of piggybacks off of it, you know, when it, in the sense of being victorious. Isaiah 62. <clears throat> All these events were, were going on. And in Isaiah chapter 62, when it's talking about God's people, obviously, you know, that that's another subject for another day, how, you know, the, the old Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem is the age of the church, God's people. But just reading Isaiah chapter 62, let, let's read a little bit here in, uh, in verse one. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. And then if you go down to verse 11, it says, the Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, see your savior comes, see his reward is with him 
and his recompense accompanies him. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called sought after the city no longer deserted. So we see here in Isaiah chapter 62, it's talking about God's people who overcome, they will be called, right? And what does it say? They will be called Bob, Mike, Jordan, Anthony, Edgar, no, right? So like Anthony was saying, like Jordan was saying, a name doesn't have to mean always a, a personal name. And see, that's how they get you. That is really as easy, that it's that easy. This is what they do is mm -hmm. they, when they go to Revelation two and three, they, they, uh, they almost make you feel dumb because they tell you when they go to Revelations three, they say, see, Jesus is saying he's coming back with a new name, but when you have to think, when was Jesus given his name? Jesus name was given to him when he was born. So if the Bible says that when he comes back a second time, he's going to have a new name, that implies that Jesus will be born again. That means his name will be given to him at birth as a baby. And then that's how they kind of, you know, string you along with the whole An San Hong thing. But what I want to do is I want to demonstrate like you guys were about how a name doesn't always mean a personal name. Right. And right. that's shown throughout the whole Bible. In the Old Testament, God has, there's 85 different names that God is known by. Even in, from the very beginning, Elohim, right? That's that's uh, attributed to God creating. But when God is getting personal with his creation, when God gives his first name, what was that name? What was the name given to Moses? Let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, let's look at verse 13. It says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So when you see here, does I am sound like a, a regular person's name that you would have you ever met anybody named I am? I haven't. Right. But I'm not God. Yeah. And see, when you see, you know, God, like Anthony was saying, that names can mean something something more than just personal right yeah. it's the authority it's i honestly feel like the more i study this subject the more i understand is like god is what god is saying what god was saying to moses i am who i i am what i'm god that's that's the point i'm god i'm the beginning i'm the end i'm the alpha i'm the omega Right. And so God is wants to be personal with his creation. So he said he, he gives them a name. But ultimately, in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that's when we fully can fully grasp the, you know, when God comes and dwells with us in the flesh. Now we have a name to call him in, in his flesh. And, and that's important because, you know, what Anthony was saying in the beginning is they try to separate 
you know, uh, Jesus from Jehovah. They and, and that way they can also separate on San Hong to say that's the the Savior's name in the age of the Holy Spirit. And they say, you see, if there's a different name for each age, but that's not even true. Because when you look at the book of Matthew chapter one, this is very important. And in, in Matthew uh -huh. chapter one, what is Jesus' name actually? Matthew chapter one and verse 21, it says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And if you look at the name Jesus, there's a footnote at the bottom of the page. When you see that Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord saves in capital letters. What does the Lord mean? Right. This Jehovah. Mm -hmm. What Jesus name means is Jehovah saves. See, it's not different. It's the, yeah. it's the there are it's. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's why the Trinity is very important. Understanding the Trinity, not modalism. You can't get this with modalism. But when you understand the Trinity, that's why really there's no difference between the name Jesus and Jehovah. That's why there's no contradiction when there will be a, when they, when they try to uh, wordplay and say, well, here in the Old Testament, it says that only by Jehovah you can be saved. And in Acts chapter four, verse 11, only now they're switching it up and saying only through the name of Jesus. Well, it's the same. It's, it's, it's interchangeable. It's the same. And when you look at Revelations chapter three, well, before we go to Revelation chapter three, let's go to Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine, because this is also a very important piece of the puzzle when we understand that a name doesn't have to be a personal name. They try to tell you how God operates and, you know, what, how, according to them. But let's see how, the, what the Bible says that, you know, God is called. And Isaiah chapter nine, verse uh, six, this is another prophecy of Jesus, the incarnation. And it says in verse six, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This verse is very, uh, it's very well used in the church. They use this verse a lot, right? There's but, there's a uh, lot of problems. There's a lot of problems that come from that verse. That, exactly. That right. The pack, yeah. Yeah, so many, but for the for the sake of time, we'll stick to the name, right? Just the yeah, name itself. Yeah, right. There's so many problems with that. Why? Because what will Jesus be called? He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Have you guys met anyone named Wonderful Counselor? How about Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace? What will they say? Oh, that's not what that's not what this that's not what you're it's not saying what you want it to say. Only when it benefits them. Right. Yep. But clearly we can see that Jesus will be called these titles. Right now, going back to Revelation chapter three, I want to mention one more thing about Revelation chapter three. 
in Revelation chapter 3, verse 11, again, they're taking a big leap by saying, you know, th these events happened now in, in our time. I don't see it that way. I see these things already being fulfilled. So that kind of cuts the argument down from the roots. But let's just say for the sake of argument, right, that they're, that this is a new name that, that they're talking about. So here in verse 11, it says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. So this is where they say that Ansan Hong's name comes into play. Mm -hmm. But again, that's why we were going through the other verses to understand that God's name is not the same. We can't think of God in the same way we think of ourselves. That's why God has shown throughout many script, many scriptures throughout the whole Bible that God is called by all these different names, titles, right? That shows us about God's characteristics, shows us who God is, right? And how God operates. So I believe in my opinion, and especially in Revelation, this is talking because obviously Revelation is written after the resurrection. So this is talking about when Jesus will return and when he will return in judgment. So having that kind of mindset of trying to understand Revelation through that point of view that when Jesus comes back, when he's coming soon, when he's coming to to judge, what kind of lens does scripture portray him as? And what does what does what are the, uh, what does the Bible describing Jesus as? Let's look at Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 and again this is a prophecy of jesus coming back after the resurrection and it says in verse 11 i saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice he judges and wages war his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. So here, let's just use their logic. They say, mm -hmm. well, Revela Revelation talks about the last days. So in the last days, Revelation says he's coming back with a new name. His new name has to be something different than Jesus, right? Well, mm -hmm. if you using their logic, well, then if you go down further in Revelation than what they use, Revelation 2 and 3, let's go to Revelation 19. It says here that the new name is what? The word of God, right? And so it says the in verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on, on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So here he doesn't even give you the same name twice. 
He's giving you two different names. Right. But see, right. Christians, we don't understand that in the literal sense, like the World Mission Society Church of God, where they try to tell you using Revelation 2 and 3 that it has to be just a personal name. Because if mm -hmm. we interpret scripture like that, then what does this verse mean? It means that when Jesus comes back, I'm supposed to expect him with a sword, a literal sword coming out of his mouth and him riding on, on a horse, right? But we know that's not what this verse means. It's giving him titles because what he's going to be doing when he appears a second mm -hmm. time. What he's going so, to accomplish. Yeah. Right. Right. And so those are just some of the points that, that I had. And I'll turn it over back to you guys. So go ahead, Anthony. Jump oh, in. Uh, I was going to kind of continue on with a, a little bit of uh, interpretation of uh, some of the new name, uh, mm -hmm. beginning with uh, Revelation chapter two seventeen about the white stone with the new name on it. Um, again, like I had uh, mentioned before, sometimes the stone does mean Christ. However, a lot of the time it represents the people of God. In um, Exodus chapter 28, uh, when it speaks about the breastplate of the, the priest, it would have 12 stones on it. And those 12 stones, the names of each of the sons of Israel uh, was written on it. So those 12 stones represented the 12 tribes. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the prophet Elijah built an altar with 12 stones, each of the 12 stones representing one of the 12 tribes. In the book of Revelation uh, chapter 21, speaking about the new Jerusalem having uh, 12 uh, stones on it and, uh, you know, four walls and each wall having three. It speaks about the 12 names of the um, Israelites and then also the 12 names of the disciples. Um, but each of them is uh, decorated with a stone. There's 12 stones there as well. Uh, in first Peter um, chapter two, verse five, it says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So over and over and over again, it's speaking about the followers of God and God's chosen people and these representatives of God being compared to stones. So over and over, stone, yes, sometimes it does represent Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He's the stone that makes some people fall. However, a lot of the time, too, and you cannot neglect that the people of God over and over are referred to as stones, especially the 12 tribes, which that concept is alluded to throughout the book of Revelation, the 144,000. So what did they receive? They received, meaning they're being given a gift. And what is it? The stone with a new name written on it. Now, whose name is it? It, you know, most people interpret that as you are receiving a new name for yourself. God has often given his chosen people new names. You had mentioned Abraham as one person who went from Abraham to Abraham. Sarai mm -hmm. went to Sarah. Uh, Jacob became Israel. Uh, Simon became Peter. Saul became Paul. Over and over, you know, God's people are given new names. So this is speaking about uh, whoever is victorious you know, you are going to receive a stone with a new name written on it, meaning you too will receive a new name with a new mission, a new purpose. 
And the same thing is given over and over because we could see that the one that it speaks about who can receive a new name are only those who are victorious. Uh, now, who's victorious? How are you victorious? When does uh, victory come into play? Is when right. This, it's this is at a big the very question. end. You know, you don't. You're not victorious because you're doing so well at a moment. It it means that there's finality to whatever challenge is before you. So you can see uh, every single one of the churches speaks about those who are victorious. Uh, the Church of Ephesus. We could see that it says. Uh, to the one in verse seven, it says to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So whoever is victorious, where are they? They're in God's paradise, meaning in heaven. Uh, as we go on to the next church of Smyrna, it says um, the one who's victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Then uh, if you go to the church of Pergamum, uh, verse 17 uh, it says, um, to the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. So also a good point with this one is if everyone is receiving the same new name, how can you be the only one who knows it when everyone else who receives it has the same name? If it just means An Sang Hong one name, wouldn't everyone who's victorious who receives the stone know what that name is? Right. Like how how would you if you're receiving it and how are you the only one who will know it unless it's personalized just for you? Yep. Um, going on into uh, Thyatira, it says um, to in verse twenty six to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. So you know, going through one by one, it's also the one who is victorious in um, Revelation three twelve. That's the one who's going to have the name of God, the name of you know New Jerusalem, and the name of the the new name written on them. So going through here, these are the same people over and over and over. Those who are victorious, those who are victorious, meaning those who go to heaven. So. If they're claiming that the new name is An Sang Hong, right. uh, are you, would they claim that you're the one who's victorious, uh, Jordan? Are, are you the one the World Mission Society would call victorious? I guess I I have to be because I know the name. So right. It, yeah. So no no yeah knowing the name in all in all these verses having whatever reward Jesus gives to them, the believers, including the new name, it every single one of them is conditioned on. First, you have to be victorious. You have to overcome. Yeah. You have to endure. It even says to Thyatira till the end, and then you get the new name. So I, I don't know if your people are seeing this, especially if you're a member, but you, I hope you see how that blows completely out of the water the entire way the WMSCOG handles this. Um, because victory over sin, enduring till the end, has to come before before you know the name. So if you think you know the name already, you, you can't because you haven't endured till the end yet. Knowing the name is a benefit or reward you get for enduring to the the end. It, it's the it's like the, the reward you get for being faithful. Um, and then it's it's in heaven that you you get this these rewards. Uh, is, is that kind of along the lines of what you're saying here, Anthony? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it says to the one who is victorious. So anyone who's victorious will receive all of these benefits. So if you're victorious, then you have the fruit of the tree of life. And that's in the paradise of God, meaning in the kingdom of heaven, you'll rule over the nations. You know, all of these amazing things will be given to you if you're victorious. And a sign that you're victorious is that you have the new name. So that means anyone who knows the name on some home, according to their teaching, should be the one who you're in heaven already. So yeah, right. Don't worry about so it. That, yeah, <laughs> I, I would I would love to hear from a WMS COG member. I would love to hear from a leader, uh, uh, you know, a higher up. Can what do you do with that? How do you respond to that? How do you answer that? Because you're claiming that you and your whole, you know, the the millions, however million many millions of members you claim to have, that all of you already know this new name. You have been given this new name already. Revelation very clearly and specifically says nobody will know that new name. You will not get these rewards until you have already been victorious and you do God's will to the end, to the end. You're faithful to the end. This is a reward you get for enduring till the end. So how, how do you guys know the name already? Either you've got the wrong name or you've all, you're all in heaven right now and you just don't know it because you've all been victorious. Um, if you know the name and you got the name right, then you're in heaven and, and you've endured till the end and it's all done. It's over. What are you, what are you doing? Like it, it's all, it's all accomplished, right? Go, go ahead, Edgar. So I, I'm sorry. I just can't help myself. So that, that was a great point. It's, it's kind of funny because so by their standards, then I'm still going to heaven then, right? Even though they've probably yeah. already wish, <laughs> wishing me to go to hell, you know, and all of us are going to heaven because simply just because we know the name on some home, yeah. which is ridiculous because if you think about it, 2000 years ago, Jesus said, many will say, will say to me on that day, you know, Lord, Lord, they, they know his name, right? They they knew who he was, but knowing his name didn't guarantee them salvation. In the same way, knowing on Sun Hong's name doesn't guarantee anybody anything, right? Yep. It's yeah. Just, it's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that that's just something that I, I would like to just submit to WMSCOG members who, you know, kind of like you mentioned, Edgar, this is this is something that, you know, members who might even want to leave, but they get hung up by this, you know, oh, but what about the new name? What about the new name? And I, I get that in comments quite regularly. Well, people will kind of say, you know, well, you're saying all this stuff, but, you know, what about who's, you know, what Jesus will have a new name. That's obvious. So so that proves on Song Hong and whatnot. But this this if you actually look at the context surrounding these new name passages, <clears throat> It is very clear that you don't get this. These are rewards that you get for enduring, being faithful till the end. These are like you're, you're at the judgment seat of Christ and these rewards are be, being given af, after, you know, these things have already, you know, you're, the, these believers have, have died, really. They've, they've been faithful unto death. They, they've reached the end of the race. And so... <clears throat> Again, I think there's only two possibilities. Either you guys have the wrong name or you got the right name and you must, all your other doctrine is completely off because you're already in heaven. There, there are no, you know, there's no need to go preaching and doing all this stuff because you've already, you know, 
I don't know. It, it, it's over for you. It's it's already accomplished. You've been victorious. Um, so I, I would just submit that to any WMS members to if, if you have a way that you think you can explain that or resolve that very clear what we see is a very clear contradiction. Um, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. So comment, comment in the, this video um, if, if you have an answer to that. Um, Look at Kelsey's so, question. Okay. This last one? Yeah. Oh, That's a good one. <laughs> Kelsey says, I wonder what rewards we get for enduring the WMS. <laughs> That's funny. You, just, you definitely deserve Kels. one. <laughs> so um, I, I want to touch a little bit back on a couple things, Edgar, that you mentioned that I think are, are important. Uh, one of them being, you know, again, the, the basic, you know, when you get down to like kind of the bottom of this, what this is really all about is that Revelation mentions a new name. Therefore, the name must not be Jesus. It can't be Jesus anymore because he said new name. So what I think some of the things you said really show that that is just not the case. And so I just, again, the Isaiah thing, I, I just want to um, read this again. So Isaiah 62 to you, you will be called by a new name is what God says to his people. But then that new name, what he calls them is not, you know, a different title. It's not like Bob or, or Sam or Phil. Um, it's they will be called holy people, redeemed of the Lord city no longer deserted. So again, it, it's, it's this new name that he gives them is, is, has to do with their, their character, their accomplishments, uh, who they are, their new identity, and not necessarily a new name in the sense that we th think of it. So all that to say, if nothing else, what that shows is that when we see references in Revelation to this new name, we should not automatically assume that that must mean Jesus won't be Jesus in the last days because these people I'm sure still went on with whatever their names were, you know, that they continued with their same names, but they had a new name, which just meant again, a new identity in God and what he had done for them in the same way. When Jesus talks about a new name, it doesn't mean he's not going to be Jesus anymore. It just means that there's going to be, new revelations, new accomplishments, even he's going to have accomplished making all things new, as he says, bringing in the new, the new heavens and the new earth. And so this new name, I think would be more, you know, well, you already showed it in revelation 19, you know, these different, um, let me go back to it real quick. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Um, his name is the word of God. So, <clears throat> I just, I just think that all of this, if you're a WMS member or if you're somebody that's just struggling with this idea still, maybe you've left the church, but you're still hung up on this whole new name thing. What these verses were showing you, if nothing else, they should, should give you, um, make you see that it's very reasonable to approach, to come across these new name references in Revelation and not assume that that must mean Jesus will not be Jesus in the last days. Because I think all these texts we're showing prove that that's not that's not the you know necessary that's not the necessary way and the obvious way that you have to um, you know extrapolate these new name texts. Um, 
So la last thing here, just to again, touch on what <clears throat> Edgar was saying, and now I'm kind of struggling to remember uh, what the point was, but Edgar, you talked about Jesus. So you, uh, Jesus still being Jehovah, right? Like he, he's, it's not that when Jesus was here, he wasn't Jehovah anymore. He was just Jesus. Um, in John eight fifty eight, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, uh, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And so even though it was in the supposed age of the son, right, where, where he now had a new name, Jesus said, I am like, that's, that's still who I am. I'm still, I'm still the same God. You can, it's still right to refer to me in the same way that God referred to himself to Moses. Um, and then if you go to uh, John eight twenty four, he even seems to go a little bit further and says, I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And so some, some translations, I think, translate that as, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Almost as if Jesus is, is one could possibly take that as Jesus saying, unless you understand that it's, it's right to refer to me as I am in the same way Jehovah was referred in that way, then you will die in your sins. So, Again, all that to just show that there's so there's so many issues with this idea that in in the age of the son it was it was only Jesus. Jesus was only Jesus, and you you know you couldn't refer to him as as Jehovah or I am or any of these other titles that were in the age of the Father. Um, that's just that's just not the case because Jesus referred to himself with with some of those same titles or names. Uh, as were supposedly only, only, you know, appropriate for the, the supposed age of the father. Yeah, just want to add to that, you know, God in three persons, right? So when Jesus says, I am, he's taking the name. He's taking that divine name upon himself because they share the one person. So the world that's why they teach uh, mortalism and and it's funny because even when you think of their concept of the the trinity or the savior of each they say well the father in the age of the father of the age of the son and then in the age of the holy spirit the holy spirit saves the bible doesn't tell you that the i the bible in the old testament tells you jesus was there with the father and it tells you that it's prophesied that the son would appear to accomplish right God's work. But when the son appears, the Bible doesn't prophesy that later the Holy Spirit will appear in the age of the Holy Spirit to save. It still says Jesus saves. It still says the mm -hmm. father saves. Right. So, you know, these weird teachings that the World Mission Society Church of God, you know, teach, they, they don't make sense. I mean, they make sense when you read the Bible, when you cherry pick the Bible, right? And when yeah. you say this verse plus this verse plus this verse equals what we want to teach you. But when you read the Bible in context, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't hold water. Right, right. Anthony? You want to jump in? We've been talking a lot for a while, so give you a, give you a turn. 
Oh, I'm not hearing you. Can you hear him, Edgar? Hear? Hear me? There we go. No, I can't. Yep. Oh, okay, there I am. Maybe I was muted. That's why I wasn't talking much. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, my um, my one thing is Jordan. You had given an invitation for any of them who listen to this to be able to respond, but honestly, they don't. They they won't. The thing that yeah, they yeah. will do. They will take clips out of context, break it down, and then give their spin on it. That's the best that they will do for a response. They'll never come to you and tell you, this is how we're countering your argument. They'll only do it to the members, give them a little bit, so they think that they know what this video is about. They did it right. when it came to that uh, that special that was on uh, featuring um, one of the missionaries and her family on, I believe it was like NBC. Um, and they spoke about Michelle on that one as well. You know, they will, they say that they're showing you the full context of the interview, but then they'll cut things out of that interview as well about who sued who. Like there's a lot of things that they will do. They'll manipulate it and make you think that they're showing you the information about what's out there but they'll cut it up and only show the members what they want them to see. So the members think I don't need to watch this video. I know what it's about. And I already like they, they're built up with these arguments in their head. So they can't listen to right. it in full context. So, um, but I think that's really uh, a dirty trick. Um, I mm -hmm. think that they should be able to stand up for what they believe in, come on here and have a conversation with you. I would really yeah. like to, to see like a, just a regular conversation, but I, you know, they know that their doctrine is so shoddy that it wouldn't be able to stand if you, they did come on here. You know, they try to justify their stance. Um, don't give, you know, their uh, pearl to the pig. Don't give what's sacred to the dogs or uh, whatever justification they might have. But, you know, at the end, you know, they should, if they believed if they really actually believed what they were teaching, yep. they would be able to come on here. But the fact is that they know that they are liars and that's why they're not coming on here and they're not having these conversations. And, you know, if, if they could put you in your place and you won't say it again, <laughs> you know what I mean? But they can't, so they won't, so they don't. Kelsey said, uh, I bet they're going to take a clip where Edgar was reading the first saying, I am God. Yeah. They yeah. just take that clip and see, <laughs> they think they're God. Put us in the mouth. Real quick, uh, real quick, I wanted to mention something because that's a great point that Anthony mentioned about hoping that one day one of them would come. You're, you're breaking up a little yeah, bit, Edgar. Um, but Edgar, you I do want to. You're cutting out. Sorry, Edgar. Edgar. You're cutting yeah, out a little bit. Guys. It looks can like you, you hear me. Okay. Okay. Now I think can. you're back now. Oh, it's freezing again. <laughs> okay. Well, why he's why he's uh, coming back? Hopefully, can you hear, um, hear me? I can hear you now. You, you're kind of coming in and out. I'm not. Must be something with your um, internet. Well, let me see. We'll see if he, he hopefully oh, yeah. gets that sorted out. But I just, I, I wanted to mention really quick about Anthony's point there um, about how they kind of will hide and, and refuse to come on and just, you know, just have a dialogue. We don't even have to call it a, a debate or anything like that. Just come onto a video and let's 
express in a respectful way our different perspectives on these things and allow people to hear both sides presented. Um, but it, it, in Acts 18.28, it talks about Apollos, and it says about him that um, <clears throat> he powerfully refuted Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus uh, is the Christ. So, so this is something that we have an example of, you know, people doing the, the Paul would do the same thing. It talks about how he would go out in, in public and, you know, debate with the, the, the Judaizers and stuff like that, proving from the scriptures that, that what he was saying was accurate. And so the WMS talks about the importance of, you know, following, following the example of Jesus and, and the apostles. And so I would just say, well, put your money where your mouth is and do what they did. Because if Apollos or Paul were given a, you know, if they're on the side of truth and we're on the side of error and we're giving them an invitation to come on and discuss these things, I think they would take us up on that offer. And so the question is why, um, why WMS members are you not willing to do that? Uh, and, and especially the, the leaders it, it, there have been members, you know, that have been willing to come on, Edgar. but Edgar came on. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. I, I, uh, I have something to, to add that I want, I wanted to mention uh -huh. before, before I cut off. Um, <laughs> so I had told you guys a little bit about it, but we never got a chance to talk about it. A week ago, I actually ran into the overseer, the missionary of the Wichita, Kansas church at a Walmart by by my house and this is the first time since i've been out that i've ran into anybody really you know from the church and it was it was amazing and the reason i'm going to mention this is because i told him that i was going to mention this on the next video that i would make so shout yeah. out to him um you know when, when me and my wife were shopping the funny thing is a member approached me and began to preach to me and you know, <laughs> really? it, 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 yeah it, it was funny because he so he he knew me but he he didn't know me very well it was it was right before i left and he was a newer member so when he saw me he, he remembered the face and he approached me and so he began to you know call me brother and say uh, I, I want invite you back to Zion and I miss you. And, and we had a very nice conversation, you know, um, kept it very respectful. And when it got to the, you know, part of the doctrine, I began to tell him, Hey man, you know, I don't know if you know this, but you know, I don't believe like that anymore. And I'm actually helping people get out of there. And I would like to, you know, dialogue with you. So we started talking a little bit. Um, then I, I, I saw somebody standing, you know, at a distance, you know, you get that feeling like somebody's, you know, watching you. And I, I look and they kind of, you know, hide. And then a few minutes later, as I'm talking, I look and I see another, you know, a, a, I see it again. Somebody's standing right there, kind of at the distance, looking hiding at me. Hiding the shadows. Yeah, hiding the shadows, right? <laughs> but it, it was, it was it, you could tell, you know, he, he, was a, he was an Asian man. And uh, I mean, you could just tell from what he was wearing, looking at the conversation, I was like, this has to be the new overseer leader here in Wichita. So, you know, I, I signal for him and he comes over and, you know, I introduce myself, I, I shake his hand and we begin to conversate. 
Well, right off the bat, after, you know, I mentioned a few things about, you know, where I believe that they're that they're not, you know, correct in gospel, who Christ is. Um, you know, he he asked me if I was related to someone in the in the church. I won't mention that person's name. I said I said yes. And as soon as he connected the dots of who I was, it's like his face just turned. And so, you know, I, I told him, I said, listen, I, I honestly, I would love nothing more but to have a conversation with you. I was like, you know, where we could sit down. I was like, uh, we, we can we can debate, we can talk. And he says, oh, I, I don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to debate. Debate is like, a, made it sound like debate was a bad thing. And I said, debate is not debate, you know, they have debate classes, the president, the presidential debate. You're just getting your your point across. We could call it whatever. I was like, he was like, would you be interested in a Bible study? I said, yes, of course. I was like, but it depends also what, what you mean by Bible study is not me just sitting down and just yeah. hearing everything you have to say. It takes two parties, right? I want to be able to dialogue with you, but I would I think that would be great. And I wanna I wanna sit with you. I wanna, you know, let, let's talk, let, let's debate. He said, he said, will the media be involved? And I said, listen, it, that would be great. If you want the media involved, I said, you could call the news. You can call whatever, you, whoever you want to call. I said, you could, you could record it. I can record it. I was like, or if you don't feel comfortable, it can be just me and you in a room, Bible to Bible. Let's conversate. And this was in front of my wife and in front of the member of the church. And there was also a few people standing just, you know, hearing what eavesdropping, hearing what we had to say. So there was witnesses. And he uh -huh. says, no, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I said, OK, I said, is there a reason why? And he said, there's no point. And I said, you approach me. You guys approach me, you know, to to study the Bible. I'm accepting the invitation. Why won't you? You know, and I said, Think about all the members that you could be helping, that all the people that, that uh, I'm talking to, that the people that I work with are talking to. And I said, and, and they're on the fence and this is your chance, right? This mm -hmm. doesn't the Bible say, you know, to be a good shepherd, you have to protect the sheep. Well, this is the chance. This is this is what the Bible commands us to do. Like you were quoting uh, Jordan Apollos, right? And, 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 you know, he was publicly debating. Paul would go into the synagogues and he would reason with them from the scriptures, right? Proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is what the early church did. And I, and I, I said to him, I said, will you please do this with me? And he said, no, I won't. And I said, okay, if you say no, I said, I just want to, I, I want to mention this to you. I said, when I make another video, I said, I'm going to mention that I ran into the overseer, the leader of the Wichita, Kansas church, the new missionary, and that I invited him to a public debate or to sit down in a room and to let's study the Bible. Let, let's, let's find out what the truth is. Right. And he, yep. you, you, he denied it. You, and he said, no problem. So I just I just wanted to mention that because of the fact that, you know, as we hear a lot of members on the comment section or even members that are that are at home watching these videos who are on the fence and they say, well, our, our uh, leaders, they're lucky our leaders, you know, aren't on there or, you know, it, it's different if they would be in the, you know, uh, on video with the leader or in a room with the leader, you know, they, they it wouldn't be the same. 
in reality, the leaders don't want to meet with us. They don't want to conversate with us, even in private. Yeah. Right. And there's a reason behind that. And, and, and it's very important. Don't idolize these men as if they were God or if they have, uh, you know, I'm not saying we're, we're sinners. We're we're the, we're on the same uh, playing field. It's not that we're superior to them or anything like that. But truth right. is truth regardless, right? So truth cannot be harmed by investigation. In other words, it's not us. I, I'm not the one who, who made the truth or that person's not the person who made the truth. Truth is truth. Truth is in the Bible. The, the Bible says in John 17, 17, sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. So no matter who spins it, when two people sit down with two different points of, with two different points of view, two gospels, uh, you use one Bible, truth has to prevail. The reason that they don't do that should raise a red flag to anybody yeah. watching this. Yeah. And that's just yeah. something I it, wanted it, to mention. It just, again, as we say all the time, if you have the truth, you know, as confidently as they claim, they have the truth. Nobody else has it. They do. One true church of God restored, restored the Passover, restored the new covenant. If that is true, and if the things we are saying on these videos for the past four or five years are false, the fact that none of the leadership is willing to come on here publicly and just explain to us what is it that we're saying that is false. It's very easy to go into the comment section of a video and say, that was all a lie. You're all like the Pharisees, you know, see you in hell kind of, kind of <laughs> idea, that's, which is the bulk of the comments we get. And well, that's 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 cheap. That like anybody can do that. Anybody can say that. But if that's true, talk with us and show us what what is it that we are saying in this very video? What's something we've said that is not accurate? That is that is a misrepresentation of, of, of what the Bible said. What are we missing? We are open to to having you point that out to us, and and just to that that overseer, if if by chance the overseer in, in Wichita might watch this, um, I want you to know to him and other leaders like we. I, I I understand that your doctrine and the things that you've been taught cause you to look at me right now and see horns and a spiky tail and red skin. I know you see Satan right now because you've been trained, you've been conditioned to see all of us that way. And I'm sure Edgar, that's a bulk of the reason why he wouldn't do it with you. It's like you, you've been demonized in their eyes. You know, you, you've basically smear campaigns, I think is what the WMSCOG doctrine basically is about anybody like us who offers a critique to, to some of the things they teach. We, we, I can't, I guess I can say it. I know I can't prove this to you, the overseer and other leaders, but we're not mean guys. We're not, we don't hate you. We don't think you're stupid. We don't think we're better than you. We, we legitimately just want to have a dialogue because you guys are the ones making these confident assertions that you have the truth and we don't, and we're spreading lies and we're spreading poison. If that's true, please come and show us where the poison is and what we're saying, because if there's poison and things we're saying, we would really like to stop saying it. And we would, we would really like somebody to point that stuff out to us. 
So we welcome you to come on here. Uh, we care about you. Uh, I think I would say I think we all have a genuine love for you guys. We're we're not out to get you. We don't want to make you look stupid. We just want to have a conversation. So the door is open. Um, the door is open. I, and it yeah, it is it is unfortunate that um, he wasn't willing to to do that with you, Edgar. And I do think that says something. That unwillingness is saying something. It, it it's it's pointing, indicating, I think, an underlying lack of, of confidence, assurance, really knowing that they have they have the truth. I, I mean, that would be at least my initial evaluation of why somebody in that situation would refuse to to just talk with you. Anthony, did you have something look like you were you were ready to go there? Well, it was more about the uh, the comment section. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's also good if they uh, kind of stay on the topic of the video. Uh, you know, I was I was looking at some of the comments. Yes. There was one on um, you just had an interview with Joey, and uh, mm -hmm. during that, you know, somebody is like, "Yeah, but prove it in the Bible." And the whole point of that video was for him just to explain what he went through. He's not talking about things in the, like, you know, there are yeah. videos, a ton of them yeah. where we go through scripture. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. And so this, yeah. this isn't about like, Oh, you know, they're so mean. They're so this, they're so that, you know, this one is we're talking about actual scripture, but you know, right. then their comments are, Oh yeah, but you keep Christmas or, Oh yeah. You know, like they, they have all yeah. these random things that they want to argue yeah. about off the topic of the conversation. So, yeah. you know, it's deflection. It's, yeah, exactly. It, it's always like, and then you you argue with them about one thing, and they'll just randomly bring up something else, and none of these things are on the topic. So, I just wanted yeah. to kind of point that out: is that a, a lot of the times the member uh, coming to you know save the day or whatever they they want to do <laughs> in the comment section, um, it just is just so random and and you know out of left field. Um, so, you know, I, I, I can't tell anyone what to do, but, you know, <laughs> it's a pet peeve of mine. If you guys, <laughs> yes. uh, I'm right there. I'm right there with you, Anthony. Totally. It's just, it's, it's very frustrating because it's, you know, we'll put out a video like this where we'll spend two hours engaging with the Bible about why their new name doctrine is inaccurate. And very likely what often happens when we do videos like this on a specific topic is they'll jump in the comments and say, like you just said, oh, well, well where in the Bible does it say to worship on Sunday or, or where in the Bible is is Christmas? And, and I'm just like, look, I would we can talk about that. Yeah. But we just spent two hours engaging with one of your core doctrines about, you know, the new name or Passover. And we brought up what what I think are are contradictions in your doctrines. Could you like try to talk about those things first, uh, respond to some of the points we've made. And then, you know, sure, we can talk about Christmas. But <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's a good, that's a good uh, challenge, I guess, to members is, is when we put out videos like this, we want you to comment. But, but, you know, try to actually prove that you're actually listening. You know, Proverbs talks about how it's, it's folly and shame to speak before you listen. To like to express your opinion and your thoughts to somebody before you listen to what they have to say. When you come and watch these videos and then you, you comment something that is entirely irrelevant to the point we were talking about, 
you're just showing that you you weren't really even you're not listening. You're not you're not making a meaningful, honest attempt to really understand where we're coming from, which puts you in the category of Proverbs being foolish and shameful and just not being willing to hear out alternative perspectives before you start blurting out your own opinions. Proverbs says that that's a display of foolishness. And so as Anthony said, please, if you comment, try to address the, the various points that we've actually uh, raised in, in this video and stay on topic. I think that would, that would just help to promote more productive conversations as hard as having productive conversations often is in, in YouTube comments, but and uh, just a, a shout out. I just noticed uh, in the comments, uh, someone named uh, Joel Marlowe, who's uh, commenting. Uh, he's also in Maryland, like me. And uh, he had okay. a Bible study with somebody recently he had mentioned. Um, and he said that, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you could post that one. I, I don't Which one? That. The last one? Oh, uh, yeah, the, the last two. He just put, yeah. Uh, I had an opportunity to go through a study with them and every verse was taken out of context. Yep. Uh, I asked him to show me on Sung Hong in the Bible and spent three hours kindly dismantling their beliefs. Well, at least you were nice about it. Um, uh, and then the next one, uh, I thanked them at the end uh, and asked them if they'd like me to come back and they agreed prayerfully looking at my schedule to go back and show them the true gospel. Amen. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, I hope they that goes will, well. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the thing about some of the, the Bible studies and the way that they teach is that when, when logic is shown to them, they don't always need to operate the Bible with, you know, what actually makes sense. They'll just verse hop around until, you know, they, they argue themselves so they feel justified in their own eyes, but they're not looking to learn in a Bible study. They're not looking to have an honest conversation. They just want you to believe what they believe, and they will keep arguing uh, either until they say that you're a child of the devil or unless you believe what they believe, they're not going to. Yeah, yeah, the hopscotch was massive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's all about the transitions. Yes, it is. It's these transition points that are, it's really just, uh, it's like a magic show, you know, <laughs> sleight of hand. Um, there was another comment. Let me see real quick if I can find it. Uh, so Kelsey said, I've had several people tell me that the WMS talks about Great Light Studios and sermons. They talk about us behind closed doors, but won't talk to us directly in a peaceful conversation. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a couple times too from members, um, which which is a good sign for us that we're at least on their radar. Uh, but but if they are aware of us so that they're talking about us, I, I wish they would hear our invitation to actually come on. You know, don't just talk about how bad we are and evil we are uh, in behind closed doors in your church. Just come on and show us that. Um, we would we would really like to see if there's if there's if we don't you know if we are expressing things that are untrue that are false we genuinely want to be shown those things because all of us here all any of us want is is 
truth. Um, so <clears throat> this, this video again, is about the new name. I know we've been kind of all over the place. I feel like there's, um, there's something that I, I wanted to just mention um, about the white, the white stone. Uh, so could we maybe talk about that for a minute? What, I guess when they look at that verse, so um, let me pull it up real quick. Revelation, that's in two, right? Revelation 2, 17. Yeah, oh. there it is. Okay. So uh, to the one who conquers, I will give him some of the hidden mana, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So um, the white stone, do they do anything with that? Do they have, I mean, do they, what, what is yeah. that to them? What does that mean? So they, they first, uh, they say that the um, white means pure. And then stone, there's uh, two different ways that they, you know, hop through it. Uh, the first one is um, based on typically the way that the book would say to do it, which is uh, first P Peter chapter two, um, the verse six, uh, for in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in uh, him will never be put to shame. Um, and it keeps going on to talking about uh, Christ being the stone. But because that one gets a little complicated, they go to Acts chapter four. Um, because it's a little bit easier uh, to explain Acts chapter four, verse 11. It says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. So they say, who's the stone? Christ. Jesus is the stone. White means pure. It's a pure Christ coming with a what? New name. Okay. So, so, so basically, uh, transitions. So basically, the white stone is like a representation of Ansong Hong. Yeah, it means uh, Christ because Christ, okay. but he has a new name. That's the the way that they they present it. Okay, um, I I want to uh, so Anthony, you shared some of your thoughts, and I just had I'm not fully like settled on what exactly I think the meaning of the white stone is, but I did come across, um, and I think this was on encountering onsonghong.blogspot, which is a a really great website for anybody struggling with. Uh, WMS doctrine and wanting to find other biblical explanations and even refutations of uh, some of the things they teach. So that, again, that's encountering onsonghong.blogspot. But this is something that they they had uh, an article about about this. And so I'm just going to read this real quick, just to offer like another possibility, I guess, of what what it could potentially mean. Um, just because hopefully people who are, you know, struggling with this idea, if you're, you know, in the WMS or have left and just wrestling with it, uh, hopefully this can at least show you that, hey, there's good, solid, biblical, rational, other ways to think about this than what I've been told by the WMS. So, so this is what uh, it said in that article. Um, I don't know if you can read that. It's kind of small, but actually, let me just do this. A little bit better. So 
It says, in fact, there's only one other place in the Bible where you will find the same stone. Uh, so I think the Greek is, however you say that, pephos, pesephos, I don't know. Um, so there's only one other place where you see that same word that's used for stone in Revelation uh, 2.17. Uh, it's the word translated vote in Acts 26.10. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. You see, the white stone in Revelation 2.17 is a voting pebble. A black stone meant a vote of no, uh, of no condemnation, while a white stone meant a vote of yes or acceptance or acquittal. This is documented by historians. Um, so there's some, you know, you can look into some, I think there's a link actually here. But there's, there's historical data that would suggest that, you know, these stones small stones were used in cases of where there were being votes cast in different situations. Um, so then the question is not who is the white stone, it's what does a white stone means? And it means we have been accepted uh, by God. So, so the whole point of that again is just that <clears throat> if you actually look at that word, look at the original Greek word in Revelation 2.17 used for stone, the only other place where that word is used is Acts 26.10, where that word is actually translated as vote. So this is just, I'm suggesting a possible other alternative way to look at the white stone that I think makes, makes a lot of sense to me would be that when Jesus gives a white, says he gives a white stone to a conqueror, somebody who's victorious, it, it's a symbolic gesture, a way of Jesus saying that he's, he's giving this person his vote of approval and acceptance saying this white stone is like a, a, a gift of, of, you know, you've, you've done well, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, and so I'm not saying that has to be, that's the only way that you could understand this, but I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it's, it's, a, if nothing else, it's a much better way of understanding it just because it has, you know, a biblical basis when you just again go to the other only other place where that word is used acts 26 10 um you can connect those two things and it makes a lot of sense in the context of what's happening in revelation so i would just suggest that again if nothing else that is a much better explanation than on song hong <laughs> yeah i agree i like the way you broke that down um okay so maybe just what we could do here let me make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah. So the goal for this video is just to be sort of a, uh, a one-stop shop, hopefully, to cover the new uh, the new name thing. Um, I know we've covered a lot. We've kind of jumped around a bit. But maybe let's just kind of do a, a final, like, review of kind of the main points. Um, I think one of the first points that we've covered that I think needs to be considered when you're trying to understand the new name in Revelation is the significance of names in the Bible. That names are an expression, very often an expression of a person's character, their nature, purpose, accomplishments, and destiny. Uh, names speak and reveal something about who the person is and what they are like. And so when you see mention of a new name, uh, that Jesus has, you should not just by that understanding of the, you know, the way the Bible uses names, you shouldn't assume that that means Jesus won't be Jesus in the last days. Um, Jesus could get a new name 
biblically and still be Jesus, as as Anthony showed in Philippians, right? Philippians 2, where it says Jesus was given a name above all names. And what was the name Jesus was given? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> so you can get a new name. Jesus can get a new name that and his name still be Jesus. That's the point. And, and, and I don't see any other way around um, that. And so the next point is that um, we kind of talk about how Jesus is both by Paul in Ephesians and by An Song Hong in the Green Book very explicitly says that in the last days, the name, the specific name that salvation will be through is Jesus. So that's Paul and that's An Song Hong. And so, again, when you're entering into this you know, discussion about revelation, what does the new name mean? You have to take that into account. Go ahead, Anthony. It looks like you want to jump in there. I mean, it's just, it's just funny because, you know, it's Paul and An Sung Hong. So you get the, you know, the best of the best and the <laughs> An Sung Yeah, Hong. right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> From the least to the greatest, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from the, yeah. From A to Z. <laughs> um, so the next, the next thing would be the next point that I think is significant that we brought up in this video is that the new name and all the other rewards that are said to be given are given after the, these believers have endured until the end. The new name is only given once you have been victorious and you've stayed faithful till the end. I'm just going to submit to every WMSCOG member, none of you have reached that point yet. Nobody has, right? Because we're all still here. We're still alive. And there's still a future in front of us that we have to continue on pressing on in faith to be victorious till the end. So until we've reached that point, none of us can get this new name. And I would I would just, again, invite you to explain how, how that works with, with the way you guys handle this verse. Um, so that's that's a that's probably in my mind the biggest, you know, you could take that one point and I think it completely dismantles the WMS's way of handling the uh, the new name concept in Revelation. Um, the other thing we talked about is how the new name is hidden and secret, known only to to Christ himself and the overcomer. And so it's just like the fact that, you know, millions of members supposedly know this name uh, and that we know the name seems to be problematic, right? Hmm. <clears throat> um, and I think, I think that was the main stuff we talked about. Am I, am I forgetting any points that we covered guys? All good stuff. Yep. Yeah. So if nothing else, I hope what this does for anybody watching now, for those who might watch in the future, is just helps you to see that there, I, I would say there are much better ways of handling this concept of the new name and revelation than the way the WMS does. And An Song Hong is not the new name. There is, if you actually dig into this and, and look into the context and don't just cherry pick verses, um, there's absolutely no reason to to take these revelation passages and go that direction. It's just it's so full of holes and self contradictions that the doctrine just it falls apart very quickly uh, when you start to analyze it. So cool. Um, 
we haven't gone two hours yet, so I guess we don't have to stop yet. Um. Oh, well, I got one one other little point that you know kind of came to mind. Yeah, uh, that you know I could I could bring up. Um, so they say that the name of the Holy Spirit is Ansung Hong. But then they also say that, you know, in uh, Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the water. So they say that, you know, this Genesis one, one, it was the Holy Spirit was there uh, hovering over the water. So they say that the first name, the first, you know, existence in the Bible of God before he took on the form of the father was the Holy spirit. So that was on Sung Hong. So it wouldn't really be a, a new name. They they've actually taught that in a study that I've done that, you know, on Sung Hong, that name preexisted, you know, Jehovah, that that name preexisted, you know, the age of the father and that it was actually this ancient name that came back so that's not really technically a new name if it's the first name so again this is one of the things where they try to um sensationalize their teachings and it ends up just you know refuting itself and you know bringing them into a, a form of contradiction because it wouldn't be something new if it pre-existed so, and that's what they teach. They, they, they have taught that, you know, the Holy Spirit right there in Genesis chapter one is the first appearance of Ansung Hong. Okay. So, so you're saying if that is the case, it wouldn't be new. The name wouldn't be it new. It wouldn't be new. It would have been yeah. before, just unknown. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. So it, yeah. it would have existed. Okay. So, Okay. It goes against, you know, it, it, they, they will create these things because when the members hear that in a Bible study, they're just, you know, amazed. Like, wow, An Song Hong, the, the one whose name we proclaim, it was there in Genesis chapter one. And, you know, they get so excited about it because and, you know, that's what they're looking for. They they they, they love when members like get that like energy and they, they get so excited like that. But it kind of, you know dismantles other parts of their teachings you know so you just have to put these two side by side and you'll see that they they contradict right yeah that's a great point um just just another one to add to the tally of of <laughs> contradictions um <clears throat> so i i guess we can open this up i know there's there's um people still watching. If you guys have questions, if you have um, a specific topic related to this that you'd like us to touch on, feel free to um, comment. And and we, we've got a little bit of time here. Um, I did see a comment earlier, but have there been any comments, questions that, that you guys have noticed that we've missed? We don't get a question. I do have. I have a comment um, on a video that we could maybe address real quick. Uh, 
if I can find it here. Sorry, give me one second. Yeah, actually, like while you're looking that up, I, I did notice some of the comments that have come through that I found some of them uh, kind of interesting. One of them had mentioned that, you know, one of the teachings of the church is that if a three-year-old dies, then they go to hell. Um, and I've seen that uh, that kind of teaching. They teach about that with like, you know, babies who die, they go to hell. Every You know, everybody goes to hell unless you get baptized into this church. Uh, and then, um, another comment had come through about the, um, explanations of the, um, King Solomon, where oh, they right, say, right, right. Solomon is, yeah, is where I saw that. so you, you get to see, like, you know, I'm glad that people are bringing up some of these, uh, wacky teachings. They actually, they used to make us teach. I remember about babies dying and that was the proof that you know we're sinners from heaven is because babies die and it ended up being really upsetting for a lot of people and they um they started to backtrack on it and then they started to accuse the members like why do you guys keep talking about this why do you guys keep doing this and they put it all on us but that was what they taught us to do you know um, so, you know, they, they would do things like that. They would give us teachings and things like that. And then whenever things would go south, you know, we would think, oh, it wasn't the church that taught this. It was us. You know, we just went in the wrong direction. We gaslighting. So, yeah, exactly. So we, we would be gaslit about their teachings. The same thing about um, Melchizedek, about Ansung Hong being Buddhist. They used to teach that. And then all of a sudden, you know, where did this teaching even come from? You know, over and over, they have these things that they told us to say. And then, you know, after a while, when problems come up with their teachings, they start to make us feel like, wow, we were so bad because we were misrepresenting the church. And, you know, I hope we could be forgiven for for misspeaking and, and representing the church in a bad way. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> like we, it, we really just blamed ourselves for everything that they taught us. It's like a, it's like an abusive relationship. Like, you oh, know, yeah. they, they, they tell you something, you know, like, Hey, the world's going to end at this time. You know, we tell people and it's like, well, where, where did you hear that? We never said that. I'm like, you, you just told, I got it written down and I'm not crazy. You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Like the, the manipulation and it, they're, they're very abusive and toxic, you know, like yeah. if, if something turns out right, like let's say they say they make a general prophecy. Oh, mother said that this year is going to be full of blessings. And there's a few churches that are established and that's the mother's power. Mother's sovereign. She's, she knows all things. And then she messes something up. Oh, that that's the member's fault. And it's just, it's just, it's so crazy, man. So, so let me just pull this up because Edgar, you mentioned um, that this is like, it's, it's like an abusive relationship and that that's, a, that's exactly what this is. The parallel is, is obvious. So I just, I just looked up like, what are the dynamics Googled? What are, what, what are the dynamics of an abusive relationship? So I'm just going to, this will be maybe interesting just to read through some of this real quick and, and you guys, 
who, who again, we've got about 20 years or so of experience of the WMSCOG on this video right now. So um, see if you can maybe relate or confirm that, that yeah, this is, there's some similarities here. So <clears throat> uh, it says abusive relationships are fairly simple. They are driven by insecurity, the fear that feeds that insecurity and an expectation of inconsistency, both real and perceived. So this is, this is an article on psychology today, by the way. Uh, for those of you who might be listening to the podcast and can't see my screen, um, it, it says an abuser is morbidly insecure, <laughs> uh, which yes. ding, ding, ding. Right. I mean, everything about how this group operates demonstrates to to me that they are morbidly insecure. Edgar, the fact that the uh, that member, that that overseer was not willing to cut, to just sit down and have a dialogue with you. I don't, I think, I don't know any other way really to, uh, I mean, it would seem, I guess what I, maybe a more fair way of saying it is, is I think a very likely possibility is that there's some insecurity at play there and, and an unwillingness to do that. Um, yeah. I, I think that the, the insecurity part, definitely like one, it's uh if imagine like if you're in a relationship, how insecure that person would be about, you know, who you're talking to, who you're spending time with. Yes. You know, right. Like how, how they get about other churches. Like you can't, you can't go into another church or, you know, you're, you're doomed to hell. You can't, you know, have a conversation with a priest or you're doomed to hell. You can't, you know, listen to somebody else's prayer or they can't pray over your food, you know, mm-hmm. And not to mention just like, you know, who are you spending your time with? Where are you going? Why aren't you in the church? Why, you know, like that whole, that whole thing is just like an abusive relationship. Why aren't you spending more time with me? You should be here with me at this moment. You know, it's um, the insecurity. You could see it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, It's definitely like that. Even to the point where. Like I've seen where they've gone through members' phones, looked at the photos that they're taking. Um, you know, they they just they've they've done things where they've gone into like people's emails um, because they they had them log into a computer and you know they can go and you know oh log into this computer and check out this email. Then they get their passcode and then they go through the person's email. You know, it's they've done some awful things in order to sneak and get information on people uh, you know I, i've heard about leaders going and like like uh social media stalking members looking at their photos talking about you know this one and that one who's left and what their pictures look like you know like that that's all like jealous jealous girlfriend stuff yes <laughs> you, you know you know one crazy thing that came to mind as as you guys are talking about this it made me think about like how they they also will take this and say, oh, they're just salty because it's like a bad breakup. It's a bad relationship. Yes, right? so they're right. just, that's they're what, just, what they said about sour. Michelle. Yeah, it's just, they're just sour, right? Well, okay, let, let's use their logic, right? So it's, you know, it's a bad breakup and somebody's complaining about the, you know, the, the abuser and the, the supposed abuser in the relationship. And that the abuser is like, well, it's, they're just sour. They're this, that. Well, what happens if that abuser, right? There's multiple people speaking out against the abuser and saying the <laughs> same exact things. And it's 
hundreds of thousands. And so you start, you got to ask yourself, well, is it, is it this person or is everyone else lying? Mm-hmm. And see, and, and that's why you got to weigh the facts. You, you got, you got to see for yourself. You know, I, I encourage the members like is every, this is just one big conspiracy or is there something to what we're saying? Cause we're not getting anything out of this, you know, uh, really think about it. And, and why are yeah. they so insecure about everything? Literally, like, you know, we're, we're laughing and, 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 you know, I was laughing a minute ago when, when Anthony was bringing up about, you know, where are you going? What do you do? But really think about it. Is, is that really, you know, is, is that God's love? Like, that's the that's how the church operated, you know, 2000 years ago. Jesus said, you know, do this and I will be with you to the very end of the yep. age. Right. Like you, you God's people, Christians, you're supposed to have that confidence that God is with you wherever you're at. Even the apostles weren't it was they weren't gathered all the time. John was in Patmos. Right. So you're, you're spread throughout the uh, you're out abroad. You you have to have that self confidence. Is your is your safety is your safety net in those buildings and those walls and you know Zion with with the overseer that that certain place or is is your security in Christ? Ask yourself that. And I, I think those are very important things that you know members need to need to ask themselves and, and weigh out their options. You know, you don't have to listen yep. to everything we say, but just think about it for a second. Like, if you were in a physical relationship like that, you know, how would you feel? You know, you see these kind of relationships all the time, and usually, you know, the 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 sad thing is the abused the the abused always wants to defend the abuser because sometimes you know he he believes everything the abuser says right and so Stockholm syndrome right there's yeah. a, there's a term for that yeah and, yeah. and it, it, it's just sad you know because you, you, sometimes you know you the person, the the abused will listen to people that say, hey, man, you know, get out of that relationship. And what will the abuse? Oh, no, I can't listen to you. You just you don't understand. You don't see it. He said he's going to change. He's going to do this. And he does it because he loves me or I just don't understand. <laughs> no, you really like for yourself, you know, for your salvation. Uh, re- also, remember, they try to guilt trip you by saying if you listen to somebody else, then you're going against God. But that contradicts the Bible. The Bible says test the spirit. Look at the Berean Jews, right? They were always examining to see if everything that Paul said was true. Don't feel bad because you have questions. Don't feel bad because if you feel that they can't answer your questions that you're looking elsewhere, that means you have a inside you're honest you want answers you and and jesus says come to me with all that right throw your anxieties on me ask and you shall receive knock and the door shall be answered to you not don't ask right it's ask yeah and that's why different something you just mentioned is, is you exhorted people to not listen to everything we're saying and i would just repeat that and say yeah don't don't just we're not asking you or telling you hey all this information, everything we've said in this video or the other videos, this is it. This is this is the absolute truth. Now, of course, we believe the things we're saying, and and as we move along in life and learn, uh, we might change, we might adjust different things. But we, I'm, I want you guys, though anybody listening, to go and and listen to what we're saying and process it on your own terms. Um, 
go go to the Bible. We would tell you, hey, go look at it and tell us if you think what we're saying lines up with what the Bible says. Why why is it though that the WMS would never say anything remotely close to what I just said? And I don't think they might say it in some scenarios for alternative motives, I would say, but um, why is that? Why don't they tell you guys to go, go like, this is the truth. I'm not, af I'm not afraid of what you will discover. Search it out. Um, again, it just shows the insecurity shows that Gee. the deep insecurity that they have that um, they know it, it won't hold up to scrutiny. Jesus even even told his disciples, go and see, right? Go and ask, who do people say that I am? The World Mission Society is like, no, no, no don't go see, don't <laughs> go ask no one. <laughs> Just take my word for it. It's yeah. like totally different, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so there's just a couple things on this article I just thought would be good, good to read. And and I haven't I haven't read through this. I have no idea what what this is going to say. But I just just for the fun of it, if nothing else, just I want to read through a couple of these things and let's just see if anything pops out that might you know see, help us see like uh, a connection here. So again, it says an abuser is morbidly insecure has little sense of his or her own social value and makes, makes an effort to gain or regain some semblance of that value through domination and control. Um, <clears throat> then I just want to skip down a little bit. So it says, what does an abusive relationship look like? Well, it's not always a be about being slapped around. Abusive relationships come in all forms along with physical abuse, social, emotional, and sexual abuse, um, fin financial abuse, et cetera. Abuse is about a dynamic of extremes, domination and submission. It's about giving and withholding also in the extreme. Yep. Um, and then let's look at social abuse. Have you ever had a boss? Listen to this. Have you ever had a boss who praises you one minute and makes you wonder if you'll have a job tomorrow uh, or the next? So I, I, I've heard that so much from members. It's like this, this dynamic, this kind of way of living where the one moment you know, you're love bombed. The next moment, I might be going to hell if I don't do X, Y, and Z. And so it's just this, you know, these these extremes of. <laughs> go yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that that really, it, it's it's always about uh, what have you done for me lately. Uh, that's the the kind of uh, way that they perceive everybody. And it's like you could be there every single day preaching. You could be given like every penny you have, but then they have a soccer fellowship or they have uh, some something and you just can't make it like you choose. You need to do something else. You need to do your laundry. Finally, you need to do whatever it might be. And then it's like, oh, you don't take this gospel seriously. You don't look at us as family. You don't da 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 da. da, da you know, so. The moment, the moment that you have to change a priority for a day, it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm always going to put my laundry before God. You know, I'm, I, my laundry isn't my idol or like a day of rest, you know, if you're not feeling well, isn't your idol, but they make you feel that way. So you can't do anything or miss anything or all of a sudden it's going to become like you're, you're guilty um, you're not as good as other people now. Other people can sacrifice more. So 
you know, it's, it's always like that. It's always like, what have you done most recently? And then if you're not doing it that particular day, then all of a sudden, oh, you know, this, this one, they, their heart's not in it. You know, they have other things in their heart besides God. So yep. yeah, it, it, it's definitely like it could drop, drop on a moment. And even like they teach, you know, when God comes, find, let him find you working. What happens if the day God comes, you're, you're at home resting? Well, what if I've been preaching every single day for the last year and I, I take a day off and that's the day that God comes, you know, and like, oh, well, you know, you, you just hope that that's not the day, I guess, you know, you could take that chance if you want to. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. got another example, too. I remember, you know, like on, for instance, like on Sabbath, you know, or, or, or third days, you know, depending on how, you know, the, the preaching is going, though, let's just say they're preaching about like, oh, you know, we're keeping the Sabbath. Nobody else is. So they're going to hell. They're in Babylon. You know, we're good. And everybody's in there, you know, roaring. Amen. Amen. And it's all good. Well, if the leader's feeling some type of way that day. He can throw in like, but. If you're not worshiping in spirit and in truth, then you're in trouble. Then it's just like that example that was given of that boss, right? Who who commends you one second and then takes it away the next. Like, that's how you were, you know? That's how I was. That's how, like, you don't know what you're going to get that day. You know, you feel good. This was one of my favorite ones right here. You keep, you do all this effort to invite everybody for Passover, right? Even the people that haven't came in years, right? And you do all, you make all this effort to bring everybody and Passover comes and it's full, it's packed. And you're seeing it like, oh, I, I will keep the feast of life. I'm good. I'm saved. And everybody's all glad and joyful. And then the next day, Three quarters of the people that were there are not there. And, and you're there for the Feast of Eleventh Bread. And the preacher who just said that everybody was good yesterday tells the people that are there in the, for the for the feast the next day, well, you know, if you don't keep the Feast of Eleventh Bread, then Passover didn't even work. And it's just it's just like, wow, like get take that's you don't never have peace. You never have rest. It's you can never do enough. So so just to look real quick at at another article and I I'm certainly not nobody here is is claiming to have, you know, uh, to be professionals in the field of, of psychology or, or any of the things we're talking about right now. Um, uh, but it's just, it is interesting for me to just read through uh, some of these these. Um, descriptions of relationship abuse and, and explanations of some of the dynamics. And this is this is an article on WebMD about spiritual abuse, and it's kind of talking and explaining about what that is, what that looks like. And um, and so this this just says here again. I just I just want to read through this and just see, guys, if anything here pops out to you. Um, so it says one form of spiritual abuse, religious abuse, takes place within a religious organization. An example of religious abuse is a religious leader using scripture or beliefs to coerce or control the behavior of members of the organization. You may be experiencing religious or spiritual abuse if a religious leader has. And so listen to these things, because having having interviewed for the last several years members, um, these immediately pop out to me. So here's it's going to list some of the um, if you're experiencing some of these things, then these are you know signs uh, of that 
uh, spiritual abuse sort of situation going on. So um, if they have, if, if you have a religious leader who has used scripture or beliefs to humiliate or embarrass you, um, I, I can't remember the exact situation, but I just interviewed Joey, former member, um, and and Anthony, I know you you yeah, shared. Yeah. So I, I, so I, I don't need to you 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 explain that. Can you explain a situation yeah. that would yeah that so would fit it, the bill here? It was hot. It was a really hot day, and there we are in our like full suit and tie um, with preaching bags, which most members, they not just have like a Bible and a new song book, but they have this sermon book and that sermon book, notebooks, just like a huge heavy bag. And we're standing out there for who knows how long and it's blistering heat. And I'm standing there, I'm looking around. And then all of a sudden, like you'll see one person over here collapse. And then someone over there collapse. So little by little people, because of the intense heat, they're just collapsing because they're, they're buckling under the heat. And um, Joey was one of them. He was feeling really sick and nauseous at that moment. And, you know, they wanted a perfect, like these pictures and videos of, you know, the, the soldiers, the warriors, you know, standing, you know, um, out in the heat and when Joey said, I, I need to sit down, like, I, I need, like, I, I can't do this right now. Like, I, I don't feel well um, in front of this huge, cause it wasn't like when they have events like this in, in New Windsor, it's not just New York, it's New Jersey. It's, you know, they brought people from, from we were coming from Pittsburgh to go here for this. So if you're driving from, from Pittsburgh, which is like on the border of Ohio, all the way over to upstate New York. And typically what you're doing is as soon as the Sabbath day is done, you go and you start driving because it's going to take you a really long time to be there for Sunday morning. And everyone just kind of takes small shifts to get there. So we're, we're exhausted. We, you know, we get there and, you know, because of this all of a sudden in front of everybody, um, he's like, Oh, you're weak. You're, you know, you're there like, and, and just uh, putting him down. So embarrassing him because, you know, we have one less person to stand for your, your stupid photo, you know, it, it's, it's a, there's no heart in it at all. And they used it to embarrass him and make him feel shame for needing to take care of his health at that moment. It's, um, yeah. Terrible. Real, real so, awful. Yeah. So it definitely, it definitely fits the God's love. There, it's there. mother's love right there. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would just say that the <laughs> members watching, uh, if you are, um, I would just encourage you to to think about this call call to mind uh, whether or not you have um, experienced scenarios like this where where you've been humiliated and embarrassed for for you know spiritual and scriptural reasons. Um, now the next one that it, it talks about if a religious leader has coerced you into giving money or other resources that you didn't want to give, uh, this, this one kind of speaks for itself. Um, we all know that I think there's an inappropriate amount of finances that the WMSCOG uses scriptures to manipulate people into giving. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you guys have any anything else to add to that, but I think that one is pretty evident. 
Yeah, I, actually, there there is um, a verse where it spoke about people who were building their own houses um, while like the, the Zion was in shambles or something like that. Uh, they used they used that um, verse to guilt people because sometimes people like they worry about their rent <laughs> or where they're going to be um, or they have to buy something for themselves and they they try to guilt the members saying like you have to put zion before you put your own home zion comes first zion is your home that's why in in the east coast i'm not sure of other places our home we had to call it the dorm or the dormitory because our true home is the church we just sleep at you know our actual home like we called it the dorm because we just go there to sleep the zion was our home that's you know and that was uh, one of those loaded language things where um, we'd never like we'd never say I'm gonna go home. Like it was it was one of those things that people would be like, "Oh my God, what did you say?" Because you have to call it the dorm because that's how you're supposed to view your residence. Okay, yeah. okay, Edgar. Yeah. I mean, there's just a, there's too many to count. Like I could just think yeah. of so many, so many funny things. But all I know is I, I'm pretty sure my flat screen TV is still hanging in their sanctuary. Um, let's see. I, I've sold Jeeps. I've had garage sales. Um, I know a lot of members that, you know, gave a lot more than me, sold land, um, sold houses in Mexico. Um so many things that they've given for the church because we thought we were going to go home right for the probably hundredth time and then when, <laughs> when it didn't when it yep. didn't happen you know they kept our stuff but they blamed it on us obviously we're we misunderstood the prophecy it's yeah. just so many oh yeah. man i can't i so, can't yeah yeah i mean to think about that and that's that's something that happens you know in in cults and and just other extremist you know even just christian um organizations or churches is, is like so th this talks about here it says um often leaders of suedo religious groups will use spirituality as a way to exert control over followers um this can have serious consequences for adults and children so using spirituality as a way to exert control and, and so one of one of the tools that these people, these religious leaders often, well, one of the, the a big tool, at least in Christian cults and sects, that's in these religious abusive leaders tool belts is the tool of the end is coming. And and any day now, God's going to come back. And, and the fear of both judgment and the promise of, of, you know, nothing in this life matters because God's about to come. You know, why are you focused on getting a job? Why are you having kids? Why are you, why, why do you have a Jeep, Edgar? Um, and so it's that, that utilizing like, like uh, uh, biblical, well, unbiblical ideas, taking the Bible and coming up with your own, you know, uh, ridiculous ideas about it. And then using that to manipulate people into, you know, having control and, and just, uh, uh, unhealthy amount of influence over how they think over what choices they make and 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 obviously yeah the use of their their finances and so so yeah i i mean 
I think these things, <clears throat> just this little bit that we're reading here about, about some of the ways you can kind of identify uh, abusive relationships or, you know, uh, spiritual abuse sort of situations. Um, and, and I think the WMS fits the bill in many ways. Um, and so one, one last thing is going back to the, uh, the Psychology Today article, maybe to kind of wrap up this little bit here. Um, <clears throat> it says, sometimes for the victim, there is a sense of familiarity and comfort in an abusive relationship, which is why victims will often return to an abusive relationship or leaving one will unconsciously seek out another. Um, so, I, yeah, I just... I just found that interesting. And then it says here, it's, it's the same thing. If you're, if you're socialized to equate love with pain or withholding, then you will seek out love in that form. And it just seems like that's kind of the way WMSCOG's love, mother's love is, is um, it, yeah, it's, it's very distorted, but I just, I just found that that's uh, what did I, what did I miss? Oh, just the, uh, oh. The what does that mean? What does it, that mean, it, it, by it's the just, way? It's just the heart. It's just, uh, you know, oh, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do this. Okay. Uh, so is it like, is it like we love you or is it mothers? What is it I supposed mean, to? It, it's it's uh, a, a Korean. Uh, they, they do it a lot in Korea. And it just it's just like a little heart that they that they make. It looks like a, it looks like a money sign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Getting the green, um. but you know, actually, I, I I I really like that you you brought that point up because when you do leave the Wimscog, yeah, a lot of times members they'll find themselves either trying to find security going into another cult like group, mm -hmm. um, or you know, when they're looking out for relationships, they might find themselves entering into abusive relationships with somebody who's like a narcissistic personality. Um, right. It's, it's, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of different people who have gotten into relationships that were unhealthy because um, it was just familiar to them to be treated that way. So they kind of trade out one abuse for another abuse. So anyone who has left and you're used to the kind of um, terrible <laughs> BS that you were living under yeah. with uh, the Wimscog, um, just be on guard um, because, mm -hmm. you know, you might find yourself falling into something that's also abusive to you. So uh, just, I would just say, you know, keep your eye out for that. Yeah, it, it's interesting how that, again, this says, you know, people are socialized, they're, they're, they're conditioned to equate love with pain and withholding. And so even even I think we could probably see that being like, like expressed in members that watch these videos in the comments, and we, we might, you know, members might share some of their experiences. And those members members will come into the comments and basically just say, Oh, well, you don't have faith and, and you need to, you know, everybody's, everybody's um, we're all sinners, even the leaders. Uh, I, I, they'll just kind of brush it aside and minimize the, the behaviors 
Um, because it, it's, you know, I think that that could fit with this where it, where they've just, they think that that's love. They think those times when, you know, they were chewed out in front of the whole congregation or embarrassed or humiliated and, and, and yelled at by the, the overseer or deacon in the secret of, of the closed door of their office or whatever. And they've, they've become, you know, manipulated and, 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 and deceived to think that that is, that is them actually loving and, and caring for their souls and trying to keep them from, from hell and all that. And so, uh, yeah, like you said, Anthony, just something to something for people who have been in that, uh, to, to look out for. And, and yeah. I think there's, there's healing from that, you know, as you, as you move away from that, I think you can you can discover and learn new ways of you know thinking about all that new ways of understanding what lo- what real genuine sincere love looks like because what you got in this group was an empty an empty shell uh, uh, with no real love inside um, a, a type of love mother's love is a type of love where the moment you disagree with their doctrine. The moment you step away, uh, you are non-existent to them. You're either non-existent or you're a demon. <laughs> yeah, you're the enemy. Uh, they have no love for anybody who is not, you know, falling in line and saluting and yes and amening everything that they say. Uh, that is, it's not love. And, and, when you come out of this, move away from whether it's this group or whatever, I think there, there is a better uh, kind of love that you can, you can find and experience and learn what, what, what it really, I think, should look like. I agree. Um, so I, I did see a couple of comments I thought it would be worth pulling up. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how to say that name, which is pretty unusual for me. Hierophant says, um, yes, I remember so many people couldn't keep Passover because they didn't attend regularly or because they didn't tithe. Um, Yeah, we've heard that. I've heard that a lot. Did you guys experience that or did you see that where due to members not tithing, they weren't permitted to keep Passover, which is, you know, the way to eternal life. So basically your lack of giving money keeps you from heaven. Uh, did you I guys to, see that? I, I had to tell my dad that he couldn't keep Passover because he didn't tithe. That was one really? of the worst days of my life. I re- I remember, um, you know, my, my dad was very sick at the time. He couldn't work um, because of his illness and, I remember calling him and explaining to him that. And I remember trying to make sense of it myself. And when you're in that situation, you have you put so much pressure on yourself because you think that it's true. So you have to justify it by whatever means, you know. And and so, you know, I'm trying to come up with all kinds of reasons. Like, oh, they're, you know, mother's trying to see your faith. Mother's trying to really see, you know, uh, my, who you are, your, your spiritual situation through this, she's encouraging you. How, if, if that's salva- if that's salvation on the line, right? If that, that's how you're saved, 
then she's pretty much denying salvation because you don't have the money to pay your tithe. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Think about that, guys. Think about that. That's horrific. It's horrible. <laughs> that is so horrible. That is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mother's love. Mother's love. Bring, bring, bring your checkbook, and and you can come inside, my dear, beloved children. I mean, come on. Yeah. So uh, I, from what I from what I remember, it was the main Passover. That's what it was for during the time of COVID. Like, because usually they want a big picture. Like, usually the reason why they don't create these rules typically is because they want like really big photos of as many people as possible so that they can uh, create propaganda with it. However, during COVID. You don't want to take pictures with big groups of people. So, you know, they were having a bunch of like, you know, little houses gather and they were teaching people what to do. So they were trying to, uh, I, I don't know, trim the fat, so to speak, from um, from from these Passover celebrations. And they they did that, I guess, in a way to um, regenerate some people giving money to the church and tithing um, and anyone else, they would say, if we're here for the second Passover, if, you know, actually Tony from playing traffic, that's what they, they said to her, you know, if we're still here for the second Passover, maybe you could keep that one. Um, so, you know, they, they were doing that uh, as fear tactic, especially during COVID um, where everyone was so unsure about what was the state of the world. But now this last Passover, from what I hear, everyone was invited. Uh, my invitation was lost in the mail, I think, because I wasn't invited. But <laughs> um, now, now that you know you could gather again and they could take these big pictures, now they want to get everyone back in, and you know at least they can give uh, a feast offering this time. So it, it was. It, it really comes down to uh, their image and their money. Those are their two yep. most uh, important things to them. Yeah. I just shared a um, an article from from Psych Central that's kind of explaining um, some of the dynamics of religious abuse of, of narcissistic like religious sort of uh, uh, situations and and how how a narcissist behaves. Um, which is something I just find very interesting as of late, especially um, in relation to, you know, when, when I, when I read stuff like this and you kind of look like how, look at how the, you know, the, the professionals in the field have, have kind of evaluated how narcissistic individuals act, like how they, how they behave, what sort of their tactics are with those that they are ab abusing. And then, so what I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not like these people are coming up with this information and trying to skew it to make it look like it fits, you know, groups like the WMS. They're just looking at narcissistic people, evaluating them uh, again, you know, kind of coming to understand what those dynamics are. And we can then go look at that. You know, how does a how do the professionals in this field uh, uh say that that narcissists behave what are their tactics um what does that that relationship look like 
and the parallels between how they act, how they behave, um, to that, the parallels between that and the WMSCOG are just so blatantly obvious. Uh, and so I've just, I, again, I posted that, the link to that article. Hopefully that link works, um, doesn't look clickable on my end, but hopefully it is for you guys. But there, it just gives, um, it gives like 15, um, like signs or, or just examples goes into detail about kind of what that looks like. And I just, I think it, it's pretty clear, you know, that, that it's safe to say this, this organization um, is just narcissistic at its core and functions um, in that, in that way. So again, we're not professionals or anything like that. Don't claim to be, but I just, I think this is all pretty fascinating stuff and the correlation is pretty obviously there. So um, there is one more question. Let me pull it up here. Uh, so <clears throat> Courtney O'Neill says, you never actually feel like your salvation is secured. One, uh, one, I, f I found out you couldn't go to, to heaven unless you were an actual gospel worker. I gave up. So yeah, Edgar, that's, you've talked about that a lot, that you, you don't feel secure. You on your thinking possibly, you know, deathbed in your situation, having no peace, not, not really being able to know where you stand. Um, and so that's, that's just not what, whatever religious practice you have, if it's, if it's not leading you to, if it's not something that's offering you comfort and peace and, you know, adding to your life and, and in positive ways, then it's just not, it's not worth it. And it's, it's not, it's not what I think Jesus was trying to offer anyways. And I have one more thing to say about that because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that I remember on, on the comments on my past, on my first video, there'll be a lot of people on there that'll say, oh, he just didn't never, he never believed or yeah. speak for yourself yeah. that you don't have peace. I have peace and I'm good and this, and you know, I, I really try yeah. not to, you know, uh, get, you know, g give them too much to, to feed off of. But I mean, if you really believe that, that you have peace and that peace is never questioned, that you must be sleeping during the services because in the services, they will make you question your salvation every step of the way. So either you're not paying attention or you're falling asleep during service. Either way, that's not what happens. The, the point of that, of their gospel is to make you doubt, is to make you not feel secure, make you feel like you're not enough. Why? Because the moment that you do, you no longer need them. You just need Christ. They don't want you to get there. So they just constantly always going to make you feel that you're not enough, that you can never do enough. And every time you do something good that you think you're good for one moment, the very next day, you got to think of something better to do because that's in the past, right? You got to mm -hmm. update your resume with them every single time. That's why you see the same thing going, you know, it's, it's very sad 
members, you know, they'll, they'll keep Passover. You know, they haven't gone for a while. They feel guilty or they'll, they'll hear from another member that encourages them like this Passover is it, brother, sister. I know you haven't came, you know, in some months or a year. But if you come to this one, this is the last one. Come get forgiven and you're good again. And so they go and they they keep the Passover. They'll keep one of these feasts. They'll do something right. They'll feel good, but it doesn't last. Because right after the next day, it, it turns into you got to do something else. And, oh, well, I already sinned. I committed sin again, right? So a week later after you kept Passover, you committed sin, right? Now you got to wait for what? The next feast. And what do you got to do in the feast? You got to pay money, right? The more forgiveness you feel, the more money you're going to pay. And it's, it, it, it's, it's a system. And it's a system that's designed for you to fail. You're, you'll never succeed in that system because it's not designed for you to succeed. And that's the and, whole reason why the, the uh, old covenant was taken away. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what separates Christianity from cults. Cults is do, 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 do. Christianity is done. Do, 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 done. That's the difference. And mm -hmm. unless unless you really understand Christianity, who Jesus Christ is, what he's done for us, you'll never have peace. It's just constantly moving the goalposts over and over until you until that you get war so worn out that either you burn out and you just become full blown atheist or you just leave, you're insecure, you, you're still halfway in, halfway out, and they, they throw you to the side because you're of no use to them anymore. It's very sad. There's really no love there. Yeah. There's, um, let me see here. Sorry, there's, there's just a verse I wanted to pull up, Edgar, that kind of goes along with, with what you just said. So it's Romans 9, and it is verse, hmm, where'd it go? And this is now maybe not going to be worth the time it's taking to get there, but <laughs> uh, I'm already in it. So let's see. So it's Romans 9, verse... Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So Romans 9.16. So it's, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. So th there's a lot of other stuff that if I keep reading Romans 9, it's going to take to a whole other a whole other place because it's a controversial passage but that that just part there where it's, it says the god's way of relating to us according to christianity it's not about your willpower or your your exertion but it's about god who has mercy and that mercy comes like edgar said simply by faith knowing it's done uh it's not about me doing something like there's things left to do for God that haven't been done yet for my well-being and my righteousness. It's about, no, that's already been accomplished and you rest in that. 
something that God has freely given as a gift, as a free gift, without the stipulation of tithing. Um, you know, just by that definition alone that the gospel is given, that it is a free gift, um, shows that there's something off. There's something off about this this system that says if you don't if you don't pay your tithes, you can't keep the way to eternal life. You know, this month, um, that 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 is an issue. And so, yeah, I think yeah, that was a great point, Edgar. Um, the difference between doing and the faith that knows and rests in that it's already done. Yeah. Um, okay. So I had, I had one more thing in my mind that I wanted to, to go to. And I think I lost it. So, Oh, that's, that's what it was. Um, well, first do you guys, what do you need to go soon? How, what's your, what's your time? Like, how are you doing? I got a little bit more in me. Yep. It's up, it's up to you. Okay. Maybe like another 10 or 15 minutes. I just, Edgar, you mentioned the, that short video that a lot of members respond to. And so that's, that's a, um, a YouTube short video that I posted. Oh, it's probably a year or two ago at this point, but that's, that one gets a lot of comments. I still get comments like uh, probably once a week or more. I'll, I'll see a comment pop up on that video like this one. Um, let me pull it up here. So I, I just maybe maybe for a minute while we're all here, we could just kind of respond to some of these these things. Maybe I can make a, a another short video or something out of it, just responding to some of these comments because they, they're popping up all the time. And truth be told, they're starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> um, so so this person says. So again, to set the context, this video basically it's it's a clip of Edgar talking about how he had no peace in the in basically what we we're just talking about. He had no peace while he was a member. And it, no matter how much he did, no matter how much you do, there's always more that you have to do. You're, you're never good enough. It's never enough and you never can never have peace. And so this, a common response that we're getting on that video to that is from like this person here um, says, this man was literally complaining in God's will. Okay. So, so that, that right there, I just, uh, what's when you read that? What's your guys's? What's your take on that? Their response to what you you're you sharing your experience having no peace, and they just sum it up by, oh, he's just bitter and angry. Basically, he just doesn't want to do God's will, and it's just a complainer. <laughs> so, is that you, Edgar? Are you <laughs> <laughs> That's me, I'm the complainer. <laughs> I, 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 I was I was dying in my deathbed, and I was complaining. Actually, I mean, really, it, it, it's honestly very sad because they yeah. honestly don't even care about that. They don't care about the circumstance. They don't they're not trying to hear somebody out. They're already going mm -hmm. in there just assuming the worst that you're saying. Yes. You're you're Judas Iscariot. You're you know, who knows all these things that they they fed you in there. You know what I mean? And, and they don't realize all the anger that, you know, they come to these things with so much anger built inside of them. You know, they're not even listening. They're not reasoning. Isn't that what the apostles did? Reason with people, hearing people out. Right. They don't do that. So it's, it's easy to say, oh, this person is not doing the will of God. But if I was to ask them, what is the will of God? 
you, you want to see you want to see something funny? Here's a test. Ask any member of the World Mission Society Church of God. Be like, hey, can you give me a simple answer to what is the gospel? See how they'll answer that. Can you give mm -hmm. me an answer, a simple answer to what is the will of God? They can't. They don't have a specific answer. It changes according to the circumstance. They gotta add, 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 add. So if if they don't, if, if they try to say like a just a short answer and say Passover, Passover is the gospel. That that's what saves you. That's what's good. But then if you tell them, okay, Passover. But what if I keep Passover and I don't believe in Ansan home or I don't believe in Zangil Ja? What if I keep Passover and I don't tithe? What if I keep Passover, but I didn't keep the Feast of 11th bread the next time? What if I kept Passover, but I didn't really believe when I kept it? What if I kept Passover at another church? Then Passover is no longer the gospel, right? It's not, it's not the ultimate ticket to salvation. These things change. And the same thing, if you ask them, what is the will of God? They can tell you us to believe in father and mother, but then they change everything. So they don't have a, a specific answer. So they can throw words out there and say, this man was complaining in the will of God. My question first would be, do you know what the will of God is? And can you explain it to me through the Bible? Or will your answer change according to the circumstances? If it does, then it's probably not a correct answer. The, I, what I've realized lately is that, you know, human opinions change. The way we see things change. God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. The truth is the truth. However you want to spin it. It's, it's been sitting here in this book for a while. So if you have to constantly change everything, like, you know, it's funny. They make fun of the Roman Catholic Church. This is the Roman Catholic Church 2.0, right? Except at least the Roman Catholic Church respects the Pope. These guys didn't respect Aung San Hong. They waited for him to die and changed everything that he taught, right? They, they took books, they took uh, pages away, they took entire chapters away, right? They began to teach things that were totally different than them. Like the, the, the Pope, you know, the, the Pope, they say, has the authority to do all these kinds of things. That's exactly what they do. When, when they give a false prophecy, they, they automatically like, uh, they, oh, that, that's not what we meant. Let's tweak it a little bit. This is actually what we meant, right? And it's just so crazy, you know, but anyway, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too off point. Uh, the, like I said, what, what I would just say to that is tell me what is the will of God then? Yeah, no, that's good. And so, I mean, that's kind of, I, I responded by just saying to that person, Nah, he's complaining about a gross distortion and misunderstanding of God's will. And so, so in reality, Edgar in that video, when he, he complains, if you want to call it that, about the lack of peace he had in that group, he's not complaining against God's will. He's complaining about a, man, a manipulated, uh, a distorted uh, uh, lie about what God's will is. Um, I mean, so like first first john five it says um this is the love of god that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome so i would just say like be be completely honest wms members are the rules the regulations the constant going and sabbath and tithing and preaching and passover all these things is it is it burdensome is it kind of a kind of a a heavy weight to carry. 
um, does it does it weigh you down or does it give you peace in life and joy? Because if it's burdensome and weighing you down, well, it's it's something's again something's off. Because this tells us God's commandments, if we're following them, should not should not be heavy, should not be burdensome. And this, he goes on and says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so, so it, it all, you know, if you're asking the question of what are his commandments, um, it always, always comes back to that simplicity of his commandments are believing and loving. Believe in, in what he's done and then love people. And so, um, So this person jumped in, and, and we don't have to go long here. We can wrap this up, but maybe just respond to a couple more of, of how they they kind of respond. So this this isn't the same person that commented, but she kind of jumped into what I said. Um, what is God's will? Keep Sabbath or keep Sunday? Ten Commandments, God said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Matthew seven twenty one. who will enter heaven keeping God's will or not? According to this verse, those who didn't keep God's will do not enter the kingdom of heaven. Sabbath day is God's will. Sunday is rule of men. Rules of men can lead us to heaven? Question mark. No, rule of men can bring peoples to hell. So first of all, those verses that she quoted said nothing about Sabbath being the will of God. And that if you don't keep the Sabbath day, how they teach you to keep it nowadays, that that you're going to go to hell. It's not saying what they wanted to say. So they again, they're word playing. They'll they'll take a verse that talks about the will of God. Then they'll take one of their so-called commandments that they're keeping wrong, by the way. And then they'll right. say, if you don't do this, then th you're not doing the will of God. That's why my question was exactly what is the will of God? They pride themselves on saying that they follow the Bible to a T. So then it shouldn't be no problem to find a verse where it says this is the will of God. And if it says that the will of God is to keep Passover, if the will of God is to keep the Sabbath, then I'll accept it because that's the word of God. But I can go to a verse. If someone asks me, what is the gospel? I can go to a verse where I don't have to say this verse plus this verse plus this verse plus this verse equals what I'm trying to say. I can just show you what is the gospel according to the Bible, where the Bible uh, clearly describes what the gospel is. In the same way, if someone asks me, what is the will of God? Well, let's just see what the Bible says the will of God is. Go to the book of John, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So according to the scriptures, the Jesus himself, he tells me what the will of God is. So my question to the uh, World Mission Society Church of God member is, whose word should I trust in more? Yours, An's, Zong's, or Jesus? I think I'm going to stick to Jesus's words. 
That's my Boom. answer for that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know, I, I, ha I haven't in this whole discussion, I, I often point to John uh, 6, wherever it is, where they say, what must we be doing to be doing the works of God? And he says, this is the work of God that you believe. But I, that's another good one that I'm going to have to remember because it's, it's very specifically laying out what the will of God is. And what a great opportunity for Jesus to say, Passover, Sabbath, all these things. Uh, so I, I don't know. E either those things are not, you know, core foundational aspects of God's will for our lives, uh, the central things as the WMS makes it, or maybe Jesus was just lying. Maybe he was just being, um, you know, holding back information that we, you know, desperately needed if the WMS was true. Um, but yeah, great, great point. All right, guys. Well, about about to three hours, so I suppose it's good time as any to wrap up. Um, all right. Well, I will. <clears throat> I'm going to be splitting this video up for those interested. If um, if you're maybe coming in late, if you kind of missed some of this, we covered quite a few different things that I'll, I'll divide it up into smaller videos. Um, and all that will be on the answering the WMSCOG YouTube channel. So if you aren't subscribed to that yet, I would very much appreciate it. Um, and then I, I really want to build a website. That's one of my goals for, I, uh, for some, we lost some of our, our monthly support in the past uh, year or so. So I stopped doing the website just to eliminate another bill, but I would love to get another website up for Great Light Studios and answering the WMS so I can start to kind of take all this content and categorize it, make it, you know, to where people who are just struggling with the new name can go search the new name on the website and and all the materials, all the videos we've done on it will pop up. So I just think that's something that long term, I think would be just a obviously there's already really good websites out there like the examining site and the encountering Ong Song Hong dot blogspot site. Um, but I think the more, the more, the merrier. So all, all that to say, everything I do with all these videos with Gray Light Studios is it relies on people supporting. So if you have any uh, desire to take part in that and to to help these videos continue to be made to contribute toward um, getting a website and stuff like that up, uh, there are there's links in the description of the video to different ways that you can support. And again, I so appreciate everybody who, who is already doing so, including Anthony, who is a very faithful supporter of the channel. So, Anthony, thank you for that. Um, but with that said, do you guys have any final thoughts before we shut this down? Uh, study your Bibles. Don't 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 be uh, quit letting them do that to you like that example that Jordan gave about the boss who gives and then takes away right away like that's not love like you do you really want to be there questioning if you're saved every five minutes there's no peace in that so you know we're we're here you know i know that you guys are, are the same as me if anybody needs help you know if anybody wants someone to talk to you know you don't have to say that you don't believe even if you have a question even if you just want to dialogue just talk we're here
we're here. So, you know, uh, we got love for you guys, even though, you know, we know that the, the church paints us like monsters and, and Satan and, you know, stuff like that. The truth is, you know, honestly, I wanted to speak to the to the leader of the church. I wanted a dialogue with them. They don't want to. So, you know, if you guys have questions, if you guys have concerns, if you, if you guys feel like you want to, you know, give me, uh, you know, tell me things that you want to, you know, say, you know, maybe that I'm wrong about certain things. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to have a conversation. I know these guys are too, you know, um, so that's all I wanted to say. Appreciate everybody's uh, time. And uh, thanks again, Jordan, for making this video. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would just chime in that, you know, this video uh, was great talking about the new name. So I can't wait to see the comments about Sabbath day. and Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, all, all you're just doing old. what the Pharisees did 2,000 years ago. Yeah. yeah all, all, all that all completely things that come along with the new name. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, it is what it is, I guess. But yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for watching. And we will see you all in the next video. Thank you for listening to the Great Light Studios podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, you can find links in the show notes of this episode to our Facebook, YouTube, and other social media accounts. There have been a handful of people that have jumped on to support on a monthly basis in the past month or so, and I just want to say thank you to all of you. Thank you also to Burns Cornerstone Community Church and all the other monthly financial supporters who make it possible for me to do what I'm doing. If you are blessed by the resources produced through Great Light Studios and want to help support me in continuing to do all this, then you can find information about how to in the show notes of this episode. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast? Positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people. 